You are listening to Video Games to the Max. Hello and welcome to another edition of Video Games to the Max. I'm your host, Sean Garmer. Here with me is not Mark Morrison. I'm glad to be joined here by the Outer Havens, Scott Adams. How are you, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, other than the fact that it's like 90 degrees, but what what can you do? <laughs> ah, man, tell me about it. I live in Miami. It it will go oh. <laughs> from pouring rain to you know ninety five degrees in no time. Yay! <laughs> but it's you live on the on the west coast, right? So yes, I live on the west coast. I would say it's very humid here, but it's also probably humid over there. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's we not much of a change. <laughs> yeah, feel both uh, that stuff right now. So. You know, Scott has been uh, playing Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Of course, the big release of perhaps the entire year. Uh, we're definitely going to get into that. Uh, the other big news is the EU approved the Xbox's Activision Blizzard deal. So it looks like that is back on again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was all gone and then it's, it is back on again. And then um, we got some other games we've been playing. We'll talk about those, uh, some other Nintendo news and notes and some other things just to go ahead and get this out of the way, because, you know, you never know when there's a person that's been watching the first time or the hundredth time. We really do appreciate you for joining us here again. Thank you, Scott, for being on here with me. And of course, you can uh, go check out all of Scott's stuff at the Outer Haven, which hopefully I will be able to write at pretty soon again as soon as <laughs> i don't have to go back to this i don't have to go to this office anymore that's really Yay. far away <laughs> so um but yeah what what matters is the guy's here and if you guys are watching live we appreciate you you could do that on youtube at w network you can do that on twitch at w network or wherever else we have the show airing and then of course you can watch on demand later on youtube as well and then you can also listen on podcasts with your ears. You know, I still like to do that a lot. And, uh, you know, video is great, but sometimes it's easier just to pop a podcast in, in the car and just go, all right, here, let's send this on. Uh, you can do that. Just search video games <laughs> to the max wherever uh, there are pods and you can go subscribe, like and whatever there. And remember, when you subscribe to the W2 Network on YouTube, you don't just get what I do. You get all the other stuff, which, you know, we have a whole slew of people that do entertainment stuff. Uh, they just did the review for Guardians 3, which I did watch, so I'll talk about that too. And we'll, uh, they they have a lot of stuff, anime, MMA, wherever you want. We got a little bit of something there for you. So without you know further ado, Scott, I guess I'll go ahead and start because, you know, it, it's the topic of the who knows, the year, maybe. Uh, I listened to y'all do it. Uh, you know, Scott... Not you know he he does he's a he's a podcast uh, professional. This man is on uh, the uh, Nintendo Entertainment podcast that they do over at the Outer Haven with Todd and Will. Um, and sometimes y'all have a guest like Faith last last week. Yep. And uh, you know you're on the Spec Mode podcast with Keith and the guys as well. Yep. So uh, I was listening to y'all do the the NEP last week, and then. <laughs> um, you guys are all hyped for Tears of the King and talk about the reviews and all that stuff, which y'all are going to do. What have you been able to do so far? And 
So I have luckily got the game. That is a good start. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah. I have been able to play a lot of the... Well, I finished the tutorial, which is ranging on your estimation of creativity can range from like a 40-minute playtime to like five to six hours of tutorial, depending on what you're doing. For me, it's been about three hours. <laughs> and I, it was when I finished the tutorial. And then by the time I actually got to the Hyrule, I had to do a lot of other stuff. So I haven't had much time to play, but I want to play more. I will say, though, that I'm very... I really like the newer systems they brought in, like the Reverse, the Ascend, being able to attach things with your under, with like your underarm ability. It's just really fun to be able to just do so much creativity and creation. You know, it's all this stuff that I didn't like in Fortnite, but I love in Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a, lot, a lot of people didn't like it in Fortnite to the point where they, they took it out of Fortnite. There's a mode where you can just, you know, zero build. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, <laughs> is that, well, I mean, yeah, it kind of got a resurgence last year because of that mode. So, I mean, like, yeah, I know you said you didn't get to spend too much time with it, but I guess just when you're doing those bridges, when you're, you're doing sort of the new things, <laughs> like... It, it made you want to keep doing that? Like, it, it gave you that spawn of creativity? Are you, like, a yeah. big survival so, game person? Yes and no. I like doing survival games, but only with people. Like, I've played The Forest a bunch, but only because right. I have friends who play The Forest. I've also played Minecraft a bunch, obviously, because everyone's played Minecraft at least once in their life. And if they haven't, then good job. <laughs> 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 but I do enjoy, like, the crafting and trying to, like work on inventory as well as managing your space and it's both sad that like when you're done with the master sort of just kind of leaves your inventory forever or what i do is i just keep it as its own space and i just never use it (laughs) (laughs) i will have that decayed master sword till the end of the game right (laughs) um so i do like some aspects of create of like survival and stuff i don't play i don't play generally single player ones so zelda using a lot more survival elements. I mean, Breath of the Wild had a lot of survival elements with, like, heat and having the cold and having a lot of just aspects you had to prepare for. But you also... The rain that we all love. Yeah, the rain is still (laughs) the worst part of that game. (laughs) I want to get up there. Well, you have to wait an hour. Oh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, now you can build something to get up there. Now I can build a bridge that just cascades (laughs) up. And I'd be like, screw you, rain. Right. (laughs) I don't need to climb. I don't need stamina. I just need a good enough range and a better stilt of an incline so I can just walk it. Have you gotten to do anything with the ascend feature or um just with the tutorial basically yeah. makes you do with the ascend feature of like doing the ascend shrine. Though I it is kind of sad that it has a bit of a range. I was hoping like I know that that probably should have a range because I don't think I should just be able to go from the bottom to the very top of mountain with nothing in between. Yeah. But I kind of want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, the, I I I didn't really like Breath of the Wild, so I don't know how to like feel about all this. I'm just kind of like, ah, do, do I want to buy this game and then know like five hours in, I'm going to get frustrated at the fact that it's still, you know, Breath of the Wild. It still kind of just drops yeah. you in, and it's like <laughs> you do whatever, and I'm like, oh man, I'm not good about the you do whatever kind of thing. Yeah. So the good news of Tears of the Kingdom is it the tutorial island is a lot more linear. It's just after okay. you're done the tutorial, then it's just lands you in the middle of Hyrule. It's like now do things, <laughs> save the world. What am I supposed to do? Just save it. Okay, it's there for the saving. <laughs> just, you know. I saved it the last game though. 
Does anything transfer over from if you ever brought the wild save? Or? Yes, but only really one thing. You get all the horses you collected in Breath of the Wild now. Okay, that's transfer cool. Transfer over to Tears of the Kingdom. So if you have a good, like if you had, you know, a fondness of all the horses that you collected in Breath of the Wild, or you're like me, you had two horses that you just named and found by accident. <laughs> I wasn't big in the horses in Breath of the Wild, but that's mainly because when I was playing the game, I was mainly focused on not just the combat, but just the exploration kind of feat. Yeah. And I like gliding better than I like using horses. So I just find a tall place and then glide over where I wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, that's cool that they added <laughs> that ability. And then like, you know, I, I've, I've heard with the ascend feature, like you can pretty much just decide, okay, I want to go from here to there. Bam. Yeah. You know. Luckily, if like, you're like in a law, like say you're like in the middle of a cave and you see that there's a mountain and there's something above that mountain, you can go into the cave and just use ascend and it'll just take you to the very top of the mountain. And it's just like, you don't have to actually find ways up to some things. Yeah. It's just the things that have like no in-betweens, the range does kill you a bit. I like that it also provides you a way to solve puzzles easily, which can be a... Oh, I, I think yeah. the puzzles are so broken now because you don't even need to do the actual solutions to puzzles. Yeah. You can just be like, this puzzle lets me do this thing, but what if I just make something that lets me do it anyway? You're right. <laughs> Like, I, I've seen so many people just make, like, giant bridges to cross shrines because they're like, I don't want to deal with the puzzles. So they just yeah. make a giant bridge and just walk along the shrine. It's like, down at the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is such a, like, cool thing to see them bring Zelda into this. And I mean, we had it with Breath of the Wild, but it's like they took that and just redid it again and added more to it. And, I mean, do you – I know you haven't played a ton of it. Do you feel – something different with this game as opposed to Breath of the Wild? Or? I do feel like it's a lot more polished in its aspects. Um, I think I do, like, I'm in a very mixed state when people call it, like, it's just a DLC of Breath of the Wild. Yeah, It's just, like, kinda, but not really, because the physics engine seems to be a lot more better. It's not as nonsensical as it was in Breath of the Wild, where things just flew in in the middle of nowhere with stasis. It's a lot more polished in that aspect. It's a lot more sensical and it has a lot better physics in the engines that it has provides you in the sandbox which is a great thing because ultimately as much as people call this like an open world game i call it more of a sandbox it's just a giant yeah. sandbox and yeah, it definitely gives you a lot <laughs> it gives you a lot that. to do a lot of ways to like do the things that you want to do and ultimately i don't find it as like a dlc for breath of the wild right. i do think that it's ba it has a lot of similarities in the engine i just think it's a lot more polished in what it's trying to do and I think also, I think people don't understand necessarily what anything goes into a DLC anymore because it's like, as soon as anything uses the same assets, it's just a DLC. Yeah. Like, yeah, it uses the same graphical assets, but the programming is completely different underneath it. Exactly. Like, that's the thing, though. People don't understand if, if you don't use the same assets, you know how much longer it takes for them to make this game that it already takes them years or yeah. whatever to make. So... Uh, you know, it's it's so easy to throw that word out there, but until you actually understand like why they're doing it, uh, it's it's kind of very like you said nonsensical people to say that. I mean, have you have you seen what has been going on to all the poor Koroks out there that it's, <laughs> are, are just no suffering in the community about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know what they were in for once we finished Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, can, it's it's crazy. Like, if if no, if you're just you know listening or watching and you have like no idea, I mean, 
the Koroks are just getting, they're either getting roasted by people, they're like getting smashed into things, they're made to create things. <laughs> they, they attach yeah. like freaking wagons to the Koroks and then they'll just drive the wagons with this or I think the wheels and just like smash them into everything that comes along as they're just on the ground. It's hilarious, but at the same time, it's just like, you should feel bad, but at the same time, they're also the same things that made you run around for 800 different scenes exactly. and then go around and go like, well, we've found a thing of poop you can have. Yeah. Like, oh, great. all that was, time was, you spent me. I was yeah. expecting, like, I don't know, a heart or something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you mean Nintendo's basically telling you waste your time? <laughs> oh, thank you. And nobody enjoyed this. finding <laughs> the Korok seeds. <laughs> yeah. Those things were not enjoyable to find. Oh, man. So, I mean, that's good to hear that, you know, you're another one of the folks enjoying Tears of the Kingdom. You know, I, I do respect the, I think it's the inverse that had the six out of 10 review that everybody keeps. I think uh, that's fine. I, I absolutely yeah. think that if someone has an opinion and that they like, they have a preference that they want to show. Right. Then that's your point as of a reviewer. A lot of people don't understand this, but you should follow individual reviewers by their exactly. names, not by their sites. Right. You'll notice that it is a lot more sensical for your own preference when you find a person that you like to look at their reviews. I mean, honestly, that's why so many people go to YouTube nowadays is because yeah. they already know who they're following. They don't, they're not like a part of a colgrimative site. And that's like one thing that I do is I like following specific writers for like the noisy pixel, following specific writers for a variety of different sites because I like their opinions on games that I've played. And I won't follow other writers for sites because I don't necessarily think they have the same mindset as I do. No, yeah, I agree with you. That's it's not only that, you know, that's why you see so many people turn it turn into doing, <laughs> oh, I got to do video or I got to do my podcast on video because it lets you personalize with them more. Mm. And even if it's the writers that you knew from such and such site, it's a different avenue, and you feel like you you can get what they're saying more than just oh, it's a bunch of words. And it's part of a site, like you said, and it just has a byline. And <laughs> they only look at the number, and it's just like, oh, yeah. this, site is, this site is apparently terrible because it gave it a 5 out of 10 or something. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy how we just look at numbers and just associate it with the whole, everybody at that entire site thought that that's what it was. But I do think it's valid because there are a lot of people like me that didn't win a big fan of Breath of the Wild, so it is good yeah. to have that review out there that says, hey... This is kind of what I thought. I didn't really like it that much either. So yeah, and I don't think uh, I don't look. I don't think that we should try to force people like two hundred hours of a game they don't want to play. Yeah, because oh, that's way too much time out of your day for something. Like I would even like. I remember when Persona Five was starting to get big, and I, I of course, I'm a Persona fan, so I love that and started like showering its praises. But there are people who didn't like it because it was a turn-based game, or because it was too much text, or because they didn't like the tropes of like the Japanese writing. And it's just like, that's okay. You don't like Persona games. You don't like Persona 5. That That's your preference. It doesn't mean it's a bad game. It just means you don't like right. it. There's a difference. Yeah, it may not be for you, but it's it's okay. You know, so speaking of that, uh, Scott, I, just to kind of pick your brain here for a little bit about, like, I always like to ask these questions of when we have a first-time guest because it's, to me, it's always interesting to know, like, Where's your what's your background in game? There's there's people I met that have not always been gamers, right? Like you and yeah. I. Like it's you you kind of like, oh, I got into gaming because of something in college, like way later. You know, you're way <laughs> older at that point. I have um, actually yeah. been a reason someone got into gaming. So I understand. Hey, that that's works. cool. <laughs> um, so like where where does your you know whole gaming 
start? What was your first console? Alrighty. Was... So, luckily, if, well, I wouldn't say luckily and unluckily, but basically, my parents were gamers back in the day. They were big with like Pac-Man and the like arcade games and a lot of those Atari systems back in like the 80s and the 90s. And when I was basically born, they got their very first like, I guess, not really home console because the Atari already had all their home consoles, but the one that had a good controller, the NES. Right. right. <laughs> the controllers before the NES, don't try using those things. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you got a keypad, you got a joystick, and you got a, it, whatever else is in between there. <laughs> We got an actual controller on the NES, and my dad started to love it, and so he basically got a bunch of games for it. And one game in particular that my brother and I really loved, not just playing, but also watching my dad play, was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games, which was the really... He got the very first one on the NES, which if anyone out there has played the very first one on the NES, it is terrible. Yeah. Hard. It's, it's really hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. The water level just die. There's water levels. There's sewer levels. You have to go yeah. from like an overworld to then go to another world and all your like health comes with you. So you don't get like yep. any big places to recharge. You have to find pizzas all over the place. It's it's a mess. It was nowhere near as good as the arcade one. <laughs> right. No. But I do admit, I am really proud that they tried it because my dad, for whatever reason, was a freaking master at this game. He could do everything and beat it in like no time flat. So when me and my brother tried to play it, because like, oh, if dad can do it, we right. were like our great egotistical seven and nine year old selves or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realized this game is hard. <laughs> like we, I keep dying. What am I doing wrong? Here? We had a system where basically he would play until he died. And then I would take the controller and then play till we died. Then he would do it. And we just kept doing that way until we got to like a few of the bosses. I don't remember which one he got like the most hold up on. But after a while, we just asked Dad if he could beat the boss for us, and then he did it in like no time flat. And we're just like, "How do you, how do you do this?" <laughs> but that, that's where like I say my beginnings started with me liking video games. Ironically, we moved from the NES to the Sega Genesis, and I don't remember why or how that was. It might have been because it, um, my brother or I might have been looking at like the Sonic the Hedgehog and thought that was cool. We actually right. didn't play a lot of Mario. We played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That was hey. basically all our NES was. But the big games that I played on the Sega Genesis, of course, was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. If if you were anyone of the Sega Genesis, you had Sega, Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog 2. Of course. Why? Because yeah. it was bundled with the console. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they knew what they were doing, but they're just like, yeah, just put Sonic on everything. <laughs> I mean, he's cool. Why would why would you not? He's your he's your mascot. Yeah. Yeah. So that and the X-Men games back then were the two big games that I played there. I honestly don't remember that much about the X-Men game other than I just like playing Nightcrawler. <laughs> hey, yeah, Nightcrawler was where every time I played the uh I went to Chuck E. Cheese to play the arcade game, I always had to be Nightcrawler. So yeah. get you there. It was always nice just being able to teleport to like the other platform rather than trying to do the jumping platform stuff. So yeah. that's what I just did. Um we moved on to a lot of different consoles after the Sega Genesis. After that, we got the N64 because we couldn't afford the Dreamcast. I don't remember if it was expensive or if just because us as kids were dumb and decided the N64 looked cooler at the time. Right. I know that adult me felt dumb for a kid me because I would have chosen the Dreamcast under time <laughs> over otherwise. Dreamcast but, is such a like forgotten. Like, it's such like a hidden gem of a console. console. It was like yeah. one of the best consoles of its time and no one liked it. <laughs> Yeah, because it was like at that point, it's competing with, uh, you know, PlayStation 64. And it's like, 
And then Sega basically you know, it yeah, the went Sega away after a that. Publisher so, instead yeah. of a console warrior. <laughs> that was just yeah. ironically because of Nintendo and PlayStation. Yep. Exactly. And it was it wasn't they weren't even fighting Sega. They were fighting each other and just somehow kicked Sega out of the console wars. Yeah. <laughs> and Sega's like, well, we can't compete with this, forget <laughs> it. You know. They're doing the opposite of Microsoft. They're like, yo, you know what? Uh ring the bell. That's it. You know? yeah. <laughs> like... We surrender. We're we're gonna we're gonna still keep Sonic though. Yeah. But it was like I've had a long history of basically going to various consoles. It wasn't until the Xbox 360 that actually went to an Xbox gun. But I also went to PS3, and then Xbox One is a skip, so I went to the PS4, and then right. now I have everything because then I'm adult and I have money. <laughs> that, that, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what makes it all happen, you know, when you can... If you don't have somebody that can buy it for you, when you're an adult, you just buy the stuff for yourself. That's um, a positive <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, but then the problem is when you're an adult, it's like, oh, I got to deal with all this other crap that I also have to buy that's not as fun as these consoles. <laughs> yes. So, like, you know, we talked about your your consoles. Like, what are your – I mean, I see you have uh, JRPG Enthusiast there as your, as your title. So I'd yes. assume that that's your, your favorite genre there. Yes. Um, <laughs> we are alike in that way. Uh, so, like, what are your, some of your favorite games, I guess? And so my absolute Do you have any other game, genres that you like? Oh, yeah, my absolute favorite game of all time is always. Well, I don't. It's not going to be probably always. If I ever find a game better than it, it's Chrono Trigger. Right. Ever since oh, I played that same game here, yeah. on the Super Nintendo, I didn't have a Super Nintendo. I had to play at a friend's house. They had Chrono Trigger and a Super Nintendo, and I just came over there and basically stole their TV for like the two hours I was there every day or whatever. <laughs> I did that a lot with some of my friends. I felt like when I look back on like my childhood of like when I'd go over to friends, I'd always feel bad because I kind of just stole their consoles to play the games I didn't have because I had a different. Like I went over to some friend who had a Super Nintendo so I could play the Super Mario World. Then I'd play Chrono Trigger. Then I had another friend who had Dreamcast back in the day and we'd play Sonic Adventure, like ridiculous amounts of Sonic Adventure. But that game was two player. Right. On the Dreamcast. I don't remember if they brought that over at the GameCube if you could play Sonic Adventure DX with. It wasn't a good two-player game because Tails was always off the screen. Just made yes. you feel like you were doing something with Tails. <laughs> You'd see yourself for three seconds of game time for a level and be like, I could run forward as Tails. <laughs> and then That's Sonic speed by you. <laughs> but yeah, so most of my favorite games are JRPGs. Chrono Trigger, Persona 5 Royal. I have the Dot Hack series, which is not really a hidden gem anymore. It's it's kind of like it's one of those games that people look at and are just like, I'm never going to play that game because it's like in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get started. Unless yeah. he tried GU last recode, but nobody does because they see it as like a sequel to a different game series and it confuses the heck out of them, which I don't blame them. But at the same time, it's anyone listening, just play last recode. It's five dollars on most platforms now, and it's incredible. And it gives you four games worth of content. But four games worth of JRPG content is a lot of content. <laughs> yes. You'll be playing that for a while. <laughs> That's like a hundred hours or more of just you doing a story. <laughs> yeah. Which was the problem of the dot hack games in general is that they were trying to basically do a giant confiscated story within like four games, which back then wasn't that weird to see considering the PlayStation one that happened before that had all their JRPGs and multiple discs. It's right, just, yeah. those usually came with one game. <laughs> So they're trying to do that, but with multiple games, with multiple kind of time periods where they leave. And every time you add a game, you possibly lose people from game yep. to game. 
And that kind of addiction, though, for me, loving the Dot .hack series has pulled me over now to the Trail series. Legend of Heroes Trail series is also in that vein, where you have multiple games worth of a story, and it can get rather complicated really quick. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I have, it. like, I don't know, I have... I think I have the the three on PC. I have the Cold Steel, and like I think I played some of Cold Steel, some of Trails in the Sky, and then like I I look at it and I'm like, when am I gonna have the time to play all of these games? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, everybody keeps telling me it's such an amazing series. You need to play it. You know? It is amazing. Yeah. It's a game that a series that I recommend to all people, but at the same time. It is a very much time killer. Yeah. Each game is around 60 hours long, but luckily what they're doing, Ooh. at least now-ish, is they're putting turbo mode on most of their games so that it's now double the speed, sometimes four yeah. times the speed in, like, battles. So a 60-hour experience is now, like, maybe 30 hours, which is still a lot of time, but it's much more manageable a time period. I, I mean, RPGs at this point, especially <laughs> if, if your game's turn-based, you definitely need to be adding that to your your game yeah like it's not it, it's not a uh well maybe i should have no it's a you should have it, it <laughs> you, you need know. at least a times two i mean you can do times four sometimes though that can be a bit ridiculous but i still yeah i think that times two is a necessity now for turn-based games unless you have a very fast turn-based game but that's not generally how it goes <laughs> yeah uh i mean so like did you read gaming mags growing up or have yes <laughs> something that like you watch gaming related that was like okay i gotta i gotta get every issue or watch this every week so my i was a big fan of the playstation magazine and game informer back in the day okay, playstation yeah. magazine because they give you demo discs right it, i course, love playing yeah. demo discs and it was because of the actual the demo disc that i played the dot hat games for the first time so it did its job. It did its job. <laughs> and <laughs> Game Informer, just because it gave me a good estimation estimation of like all the games for all the consoles that I wanted to look at or play. Um, I think that at the time it was very cohesive with what like the newer games that were coming out or ones to be looking out for. Right. And it didn't always just cover the AAA. Sometimes though, it didn't give a lot of columns to some of the you know not as big games that everyone is looking forward to. But it usually had at least a score for each of the games that it covered. And at the time, as a kid, I loved looking at the scores. I loved seeing, like, oh, if it's, like, a three, that means it can be good. But I also looked for, like, the genre and, like, the explanation. I was actually one of those people that liked reading the review, not just the number. <laughs> right, yeah. But that's because uh, I was I mean, a book nerd as a kid. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, like, it made you back then want to actually go through the whole magazine and read it cover yes. to cover. So you felt like, oh, man, I'm learning about all these games, like. And, and yeah, like you said, you're, I mean, I really care about this game, but I know the score for some reason of the review. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I had, uh, I think one up growing oh, up and yes. that was, uh, one that I, I loved getting it every month just to see what they were going to cover and what games are going to, and then of course, Nintendo power too, because it was great to have as they had guides in there as well so that's true nintendo you know, power did sometimes most of their thing was the guide <laughs> yeah that's how i beat golden sun there was a <laughs> there was a guide in there for it so i'm like hey i i was yeah. the kid that literally would have to go to like cheat cc and find the weird like yeah. game facts that they had in like the asc sci ridiculous font or whatever they did with that and i just print the entire thing out because we didn't have good internet so i didn't I could right. just, you know, go straight to the yeah. internet. i printed off the entire like 50 page guide 
that I would just have on hand. <laughs> so, yeah, you had to. Either that or you had to buy the strategy guide for that game. Nobody did that. No, yeah. <laughs> so, like, As I have like, two Ocarina you know, of Time strategy guides for the NCD Fortnite. <laughs> I agree. I have, like, Final Fantasy guides here in the house somewhere. It's like, that's the thing. People are, you don't know how easy you have it, how nice you have it now. You can just either go to YouTube just or Google go to whatever site. Like, there it is. Exactly. <laughs> so, unfortunately, that has led to to a perhaps um, minimizing some of the, the things that, you know, you and I do now of yeah. uh, writing and, and uh, video work for, I guess, gaming journalism. I mean, so what made you want to go from just playing and reading about games to writing and, and talking about games? So it's an interesting case story but uh initially i didn't really want to do anything in the game well initially i wanted to be a game programmer in the game industry and then after learning mm-hmm. about you know the industry of game programming and development i decided no <laughs> yeah because for those who don't know it is a it is a cutthroat just like ridiculous wage job it's like you can get paid decently but you're basically you're 40 hours is not even like a minimum that's like yeah below minimum that you're going to be doing there's like 50 to 60 hours per week you're doing a game programming development and if you're someone you know who does get big in the industry that makes it just like the 40 50 60 hours is now like 80 hours a week of you just constantly having to do polishing do so much stuff like it's it is rough in that industry when it comes to that and uh one of the things that i also was looking into was just writing books or novels because i like reading i liked writing i liked acting i was i was someone who's very theatrical but also loved video games on the side kind of a hobby and so i was looking up some of the stuff that people were looking for in the industry of just like either books or writing or guides and i came about actually in a twitter thread of someone looking for a genshin impact writer and at the time i was basically way too big into Genshin Impact. I literally was like the brain cube of all my friends who were playing it because like, we can't do this. We can't beat this boss. We can't do this artifact set. And I'd basically go in, try a few things. And there's even like in the beginning of Genshin Impact, there was one quest that nobody could complete. So I just asked them, hand me over your account. I will do it in one hour. (laughs) (laughs) And I would. And I was just working on basically becoming the best I could be at that game. So when they were looking for Genshin Impact writers, I was like, you know what? I can do this. So I talked with the person at the Outer Haven at the time. And I told him, like, the things that I played, things that I wanted to work on and stuff. And he's just like, instead of a guide writer, you just, like, become your full-time kind of a thing. I was just like, okay. (laughs) Right. So I started doing Genshin Impact guides and then quickly devolved into press releases, JRPG reviews, as well as turning it into editorials about why JRPGs are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, at least you, at least you picked a good genre to, to go into about all that. Except for when you're reviewing a hundred hour games, you're just like, I only have two weeks to do this. (laughs) (sighs) Trust me. That's my problem too. (laughs) I'm, si- I'm sitting here just finished uh Bay Chronicles City Future Redeemed, and then I'm like, oh crap, I still haven't I still have to finish off about travel with you. Like I need to start uh, yeah, it's it's too much there's too much uh going on, and then of course there's so much Zelda- good games coming out this year, and it's just like it's not stopping. Yep, it's not, and then we got Pop Fantasy 16 on the horizon, so that's not helping us at all either. Nothing we have. Well, for me, Trails into Reveries coming out this year. Oh, man. And that is another accumulate that's going to be a lot of hours of game time. 
And then Good, Grand Prix yeah. Fantasy Relink is coming out this year. There's a few other ones I have on that I'm looking forward to. So it's just like this year's just packed of games, and I both love and hate. Yeah, them. <laughs> there is like a lot of freaking games coming uh, this year for sure. And I guess you know just to kind of wrap it up. I mean, is when you look at like the way gaming was when we were growing up, right? And you look at gaming today. Like, what is the thing that kind of stands out for you that, oh, this is, I, I love this about gaming today that we didn't have back then. So I'd say the biggest thing that I love about gaming that we have now is we have a lot more exposure to games that didn't have a lot of exposure back in the day. Games yeah. that were kind of just left by the wayside. Games that I didn't even know about that I'm learning more about from like the past that I liked. Like, even when I'm thinking about it, the freak like the Square Enix thing is so kind of crazy to me because I only knew about SquareSoft games at the time. I never knew Enix was even a thing back in the day. So seeing right. them get like merged together to become Square Enix was just like, what what is this company kind of a deal? But that was mainly because more people were focused on gonna be the heavy hitters, what was gonna sell here in the West. So for like us kids that were looking at the Game Informer magazines or the PlayStation ones or even like the Nintendo Power ones. We didn't get a lot of Enix titles in there. We didn't get a no. lot of the JRPG exposure, except for if like you were related to a famous IP or if you were like a famous Western development cycle. And I think that also went into why there were so many Japanese developers not focusing their games on the West because they never got any coverage here. Whereas now we have a lot more coverage of basically every game genre you can think of, but yeah. the also that comes with the bigger problem of we have so many game development companies now. Like yeah. Everyone wants a piece of the pie that the game industry is now of trying to get their big game on this thing to make the big billion dollar sales kind of, and it's yeah. crazy. That we yeah. People, people don't realize how hard it is to make the game. <laughs> and then like you automatically think, Oh, this thing is going to be the next, whatever. It's going to be the next Elden Ring, the next big thing that you, you talk about, and then it's like, oh, it, it hits the store, and like no nobody knows, knows about it, it because <laughs> it's flooded. The Steam, the Steam store is flooded with games, like literally every day, and uh, you know, find a new indie game that's released every single day at least. Exactly. I mean, think about it. Like, I I always dreamed about, oh man, I want to write for IGN. I want to do something like that, and it's like, oh man, I get to play all these games, review these games, and it's like. Oh my god! I could never <laughs> review all these games now. Like that's no. insane, you know? <laughs> that's crazy. That's why uh, IGN has such a large amount of writers and reviewers. Yeah, because there, there is no way they could get like one single person to do all these things. Yeah, it was easier yeah. because they only focused on ones they thought would be popular. Right. Well, no, back in the day, they did try to review almost every game that came out for the systems when you could, because you literally <laughs> only had like maybe, you know, 200 games come out that yeah. whole year or something, not uh, a <laughs> thousand, <day. laughs> you know, 3000 games or whatever. So it, it's, um, and, and you had, you know, like your five people on each team that could do it, but it's, it's insane now. It's ridiculous. I mean, the people that do it, consistently all the time i give i give everybody uh so much credit for that that's amazing uh i don't know how much part of your life you gotta take to do that but um it unfortunately as you get older it becomes very difficult also yes with uh <laughs> life getting in the way but you know you were talking about uh genshin impact earlier um just you talking about it you kind of got me to play uh honkai star Rail, which <laughs> came out yes <laughs> uh 
recently, uh, since you're the big Genshin guy, I mean, so what is so what makes Honkai Star Wars special? And if you like Genshin, should you check it out? It's a, it's a difficult premise to say, like, if you like Genshin, you like Honkai Star Rail, because a lot of their things are so different. But at the same time, their, like, art style, art designs, and art direction is very similar. Um, so Genshin Impact is, like, open world where you are doing action RPG elements with a lot of element infusing into various battle simulation strategies. Honkai Star Rail is turn-based, but you still are doing basic elements like mixing and matching you don't get nearly as many combinations in the sense that like hey if you do this fire and ice together you'll get a melt reaction like in genshin but what you do is you utilize weaknesses and you utilize enemies elements to be able to work on finding ways to beat them out just like how you know most well I wouldn't say most, but most turn-based RPGs that try to have like some kind of nuance or kind of a change to it, it relates with finding weaknesses, finding out enemy strategies, looking at what they can do. And honestly, Honkai Star Rail I love the most is its production and its set designs. Because one thing that Genshin kind of does that I don't like is how they do their conversation cinemata cinematography and stuff. Where it's just like close up of the face, close up to two people, close up to the face, close up to two people. Whereas with Honkai Star Rail, they're a lot more engaged, dynamic. All their things are there's something going on. You can feel them actually having their characters in places that matter. Right. And I know not everyone's gonna be like, oh, how dare he focus on things like that. But I love when people have good spatial awareness. Genshin did not yeah. have good spatial awareness. Honkai Star Rail does. You know where you're at. You know what things are going on. And you can see like their movements are key and it makes sense. Like even yeah. in one of like the big beginnings, um, you'll notice one of the characters, Kefka, I think this is probably why so many people like her, is a lot of her animations is so precise of where the bullets right. go, how it enters and exit opponents. Like it's just solid, well done art art sets. And I really love that about Honkai Star Rail. It's it's the story itself isn't that I wouldn't say engaging, but it isn't that kind of linear. A lot of the story you find is through looking through diaries, logs, and other things. Whereas, like, the mo the narrative itself is just basically finding what these things called Stellarons on or each planet and figuring out what that is. And so Honkai Star Rail is a great, I guess, turn-based dive into the art style of what people liked about Genshin, of, like, the cell-shaded character designs, yeah. the more anime-esque um I guess, outfits with a lot of, like, exotic pieces that come with it. <clears throat> like, one of those things that's interesting is, like, basically after Genshin Impact got released, you'd find lots of, not necessarily clones, but a lot of people utilizing similar color schemes, designs, and outfits of what Genshin Impact was doing. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing here with Honkai Star Rail, because a lot of their, like, outfits are very unique, stylized, and they show off the character very well. Yeah, I mean, from what I play, I don't really like playing that many games on my phone. <laughs> I'm much more of a, I don't really even like playing games on my PC because I use it so much that, like, the last uh, thing I yes. want to do is I'm <laughs> sit in front of my computer and play a game. It's but what the Steam Deck is for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what the Steam Deck is for. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. It's just, um, so I'm kind of waiting for it to come to PS5, but I did play uh, at least through the prologue part yeah. on my phone. And I, I agree with you on uh, Kepka and, uh, they have a character named March 7th, which, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, uh, 
it's like, all right, that's a name. Cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then you name your own, you have your own character. Pick a, a female or male character, and that's your sort of your main as well. I like the term base finding with the weaknesses and, and all that. It's, um, I haven't run into the gotcha stuff heavy. I'm sure <laughs> that will come up. You'll get uh, there eventually. <laughs> like, how, how bad is that for someone that. If you're used yeah. to Genshin, it is so much better. If you yeah. aren't used to Genshin and you don't like really like the gotcha mechanics, it is still going to be a bit of a deterrent. It is yeah. a gotcha system. Luckily, this one is a lot more forgiving, and it has a lot more resources for you to pile from. So the thing that Genshin did is basically it has a pity system with its event banners where like you do eight summons. If you don't get the unit you want, then you can do another eight summons eventually, and then you'll get the eight summons you want. And every time you do like a multi-summon, it basically adds to the pity. And when you get yeah. to a certain reach of this pity, eventually you'll get a guaranteed five-star. The guaranteed five star can either be, <clears throat> and like so the first time you hit this pity, it can either be a random five star character or it can be a event star five star character, which is usually what people want is the event one. Otherwise, there's right. no point in summoning on that like banner, so to speak. And so the pity system from that has gone similarly to Star Rail, but it's a lot less of a pity. So you don't have to worry about getting to the nine. You just have to, I think, get to seven now which is a lot more forgiving, but at the same time, you get a lot more, uh, you got a lot more, um, what's the term? You get a lot more opportunities to be able to get tickets for summons. You get a lot more opportunities to get like the actual in-game currency for it. And you get a lot more opportunities for <clears throat> what they do with dailies now. Oh, okay. So it's a lot I mean, more can... forgiving in its gotcha element, but it's still gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, you can't like, let's say, with the, I guess, starting team that they give you, that you can't just keep progressing through the game with that team. It makes you eventually have to start rolling well, for the... There are free-to-play teams and free-to-play artifact sets, so they yeah. do give you a lot of other free units that you'll get as you progress in the game. Luckily, when you get further down, you'll get a healer, who is an amazing healer, <laughs> yeah, who will help everything go by, because you can't rely on March 7th's shield the whole time, unless like right. you build her ridiculous which you can do. There are people who are probably going to have like ridiculous builds with March 7th to just be like, I shield this person to be immortal for three turns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you put so much defense, there's no way your any of your attacks are going to do something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, I had played Genshin like a little bit, but it kind of turned me off after a while because of that. But yeah. the, having the turn-based mechanics and everything, which I'm more used to with RPGs, kind of feel like i might uh keep going uh with this one a bit more especially once it hits ps5 at some point <laughs> waiting to do a lot more of my stuff on ps5 just because i play genshin on the ps5 yeah Hopefully i, mean, I still transfer. sometimes play on pc if i'm streaming it but when i want to just like chill or relax or like say i want to do like a two-hour quest or event i don't want to do it on the pc or yeah, the phone. Two-hour events on the phone is terrible. No. <laughs> I definitely don't want to be sitting there hooked to my charger the whole time. Like, uh. No. So, uh, any other games that you've been playing here? <clears throat> so, another game that I have been playing is uh, Fairy Fencer F Refrain Chord. Um, it's a game that I never expected to get a sequel. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, Fairy Fencer F was a game from, like, I think, like, eight years ago from Idea Factory. Oh, God. I feel old. And Compile Heart. <laughs> 
where they were doing a they they're they have they have basically where they have like one part of their studio always doing like Neptunia stuff, which is right, usually exactly, my biggest, yeah. which is my biggest like of the Compile Heart games. Um, then they have another one where they do more like randomized, where like test out engines or stuff. Fairy Fencer yeah. F was when they were like testing out different engines they wanted to build with, so they're testing out a battle system. <clears throat> Fairy Fencer F Refrain Chord seems like they're testing out more of their battle system for tactical RPG. Yeah, which. They don't usually. They actually don't have a lot of games that use tactical RPG elements. So it's interesting to see them like actually work and do it. The other, the only other one that they have in their repertoire that's like this is a spinoff game of Neptunia called Hyper Devotion Noir. <laughs> wow. But I actually really like um, their turn-based system. They actually work it well with um, the music. So basically, you have. Your character is known as fencers, and they work with what's like a spirit of a weapon called a fairy or a fury. And if they get, they combine themselves, the fury becomes their weapon, and they're able to basically fight enemies and enemy and other monsters and stuff. The main game basically is that your character Fang meets up, doesn't realize he's a fencer, meets up with a fury named Aaron, who has amnesia because this was during the time period and everybody and their dog had amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, very the most common of the JRPG tropes. Everybody, Luckily, they no longer really do that as much. <laughs> Unless you're East, then everybody yeah, has amnesia every, for exactly, some reason. Everybody. <laughs> Especially Adel. Poor Adel. <laughs> like every game, Adel forgot everything. You know, it's a start over. Like, they, they already know that nobody's going to question it because it's just like, it's happened 10 games already. Just deal yeah. with the fact he's going to amnesia in the next one. <laughs> you literally went through this entire epic story with, you know, this and that. And then, <laughs> oh man, I forgot again. Whoa. Yeah. So Fairy Fencer F, Erin has amnesia and she wants to have Fang help her realize why she has amnesia, what happened. And so your goal is to get a wish from the goddess, which requires you to collect a lot of furies. So you go around collecting all these like fairies, furies, and all these different things to then add to your own repertoire, which you can then equip to your actual like other furies. And then you'll get other fencers along the way that you can equip them to. And it turns into like a collect-a-thon where you can then mix and match various like fairies and furies and dealing with what they add to the table. You can base their build, say that you want this person as strength, this person as something else. It's kind of reminiscent of like the gin system in Golden Sun. Okay. <clears throat> because you get different um, like skills, stats, different like elements you can use when you equip a different fury. And so this the way that they have to do is find this goddess. The goddess will then utilize their wish to help restore Aaron's memories. And okay. I can't remember if the first game actually ended with the goddess doing that or if it just ended randomly. But this game starts off in the middle of where the first game was. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's yeah, not, I, re it's, I reviewed the first game like way back on the It was PS3. forever ago since I last so, played it. Yeah. They re-released it as like uh, Event Force, which I think had it added like Furies and added like story elements. Yeah. I actually haven't played the new the Advent Force, but um, Refrain Chord has it where you start off with one of the scenes with Fang being imprisoned and he has to find a way out and Aaron then eventually finds him and they meet up with this person named Floor, or not, well, Floor's not immediately, they meet up with this person named Glossa 
And she apparently is able to utilize the power of music to brainwash people. Oh, hey. And so they hey. introduce a mechanic in their tactical RPG system that's called like the idol system, where you have one idol on one side, which is Glossa, and another idol on your side, who is, who is Floor. And they are basically, whenever they do their song in battle, it increases the stats of the characters within the range that can hear their song. And each turn with the idol, they can you can decide if you want to have the range of that song larger or if you want to have the intensity of the stat boost larger. And the best part about it is it it doesn't just it doesn't change the background, it adds to the background soundtrack. So a lot of the music in this game is great. So when you have like a great soundtrack that's going on with like an overly overview, and then you have the idol singing, it goes over the singing will go over the soundtrack. And if you have the yeah. enemy idol singing, then their song will then go over the soundtrack. So you have like three different sounds going on, but it actually mixes really well. And when an RPG has great music, that's already a win for me. So yes. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm glad you're enjoying the game. At least are you like almost close to beating it, or you're not sure? I am. Or? I think like ten chapters left. I'm almost done with it. Oh wow. <clears throat> But how many chapters does it have in total? It has, I think, 25. Yeah, it's 25 chapters in total. Oh, gosh. So I'm on chapter like 15, but it, it goes as long. Uh, chapters can go really quick or really long, depending on if you do the side quests or not. Oh, side okay. quests are just there to help you get, you know, your levels situated. So when you do some of the story quests, they're better. Or if right. you don't want to do any of the side quests, which will make your, you know, furies be very light and your characters will have a lot less customization options. You can, you can do it if you want to do it like on the easiest difficulty and just go straight yeah. to the story. But is I the story spending, good, you feel like? Or? The story is, oh, it's, I'd say it's serviceable. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. The thing, yeah. the thing with most idea, um, idea Factory games and Compile Heart integrations is they have really fun stories. It's not necessarily yeah. the most cohesive or coherent, but a lot of their characters and the way that they do like the, the just the atmosphere of the world is just fantastic. And so the stories can be really generic at times, but for the most part, because of the characters, the world you're in, or even just like how they deal with how it works by making fun of how generic the story is, it is really good. It does it helps that like um, like especially like the Neptunia series is a satire that makes fun of the gaming industry itself. Is that, that's why I like playing those games sometimes. Just like what are they gonna make fun it of in the makes, gaming industry now? <laughs> like yeah, like the sister versus sister one makes so much fun of like the mobile game market. Spending yeah. so much money on like your PC just to play a mobile game. <laughs> I wonder if they're d doing that dig on like Genshin Impact, and you see like all these streamers that spent like yeah. four thousand dollars on their streaming builds to just play Genshin Impact all day, and it's just like, good job. You could have got a PS Five. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at how so, much money you spent. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious that they make fun of that. They also like make fun of how. Like Sega's no longer in the console wars. They've just yeah. been making a bunch of software, which has made like Netgear just really. Netgear is a lot less like focused on hardware, even though that was like her whole shtick is making a good hardware system. But she's yeah. been so like, I just have done software stuff so long. I can't do hardware nearly as well. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm all for like I've. What was the, I can't remember the name of it, but I played uh, Omega Quintet. I played quite yes, a bit. Yes, the Quintet Quintessentials. Yeah. I love yeah. that game. It's great. <laughs> so uh, it's very familiar with Kapal Heart. They always they make good games. Just obviously they go under the radar because there's so much other there yeah. stuff. I, I think uh, one of the reasons they go under the radar is because they don't always have the most polish when it comes to their games. Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of their games look like they should still be on the PS3 or, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, unfortunately, and then of course, with everybody being all about 
whatever FPS you're on at that time, that's definitely going to make you yeah. not want to pay attention. It's not a 60 FPS. What's the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't be 30 at all. And, oh, but wait, you'll play Zelda. It's at 30. How dare you? Like, it's a good uh, game. It's like other games could be good games, but bad FPS. <laughs> exactly. Just tell me you don't like Redfall without telling me it's just bad FPS. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can just not like Redfall. That's okay, too. I mean, it can okay, be. Okay. If you don't like shooting, I mean, it's not that spongy as vampires if you're a sniper, but <laughs> you don't like shooting spongy vampires, just say it. <laughs> yeah, or just like boneheaded uh, human characters as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, any anything else you want to mention here? Say another, I guess, uh, series that I've generally been trying to focus on and recomplete is the Trails of Cold Steel series. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played that oh, as God, well as much, but uh, I'm yeah. at well, I'm at the I just finished two, so I'm at three right now. Okay. So I only have another two games to go, and luckily, if I remember correctly, three is actually a shorter one compared to the other three. Yeah. That's because that's when they focused on the visuals instead of just the mechanics, because they just brought over the right. mechanics of one and two, just made it look prettier. <laughs> Which I am yeah. fine with. I am fine of just making your game look prettier in the same engine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes that works. Like, you don't need to, uh, you know, redo the wheel when you're making a series. Make sure that you're making good games and yes. innovate on the story, you know. That being said, I definitely know uh, a lot about that with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Future Redeem. I'm going to try <laughs> to avoid the spoilers here, but I finished it at like 2 in the morning because I couldn't sleep on a Friday going into a Saturday. I had been stuck at the final boss for a while because it was oh, like, geez. it's kind of like Zed, you know, where if you don't either have the right team or you're not, you don't pick the right character to control, it can pretty much determine how that goes. Uh, and then sometimes you got to get lucky with the chain attacks as well, obviously. You're but, saying I can't auto the fight. No. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Um, but man, I, I love the fact that they just made a DLC that is a compendium of all the games. It's not like Torna where it's all about the uh, just the second game yeah. or the future connected, which felt kind of like, ah, hey, this basically just exists to give Melia something, <laughs> uh, which I mean, that's fine and all. Yeah. But like, it's not, um, it's not uh, something that like people were hoping would be the, the DLC after all that time. This really does feel like, a DLC that was worth waiting for, and we actually didn't have to wait as long as we thought we did. Uh, I, I was surprised how fast they cranked this DLC out. <laughs> I was not when when I when somebody told me, dude, there's a trailer for Xenoblade's three DLC. I was like, what? You got to be kidding me! That wasn't supposed to come out till like the fall. This is nowhere near the fall. What are we talking about? Do, and do then we they need soft to have some help because they're, they're kind of just on like turbo mode. <laughs> I mean, it. But like, it's amazing when you think about. That studio, they make games, they make big games, and not only did they not delay their game, they moved it up and it still came out (laughs) and it ran well. And like, you got games that that, you know run on the Switch, and you're like, How is this new? And Xenoblade is over here running like, like, you know, Xenoblade 2 had its problems, obviously, because it's a Switch launch game. that it is, people, they were still trying to figure out how to make that work on the the smaller screen, and then we would get to the TV. But yeah, like never had a problem with House on the Blade Three or the DLC runs. Um, I love the fact that you got to bring Shulk and Rex back 
and yeah. uh you know full dad form there <laughs> and he it's should just, not look that buff no, yeah no definitely right <laughs> um I mean, he's he's not only uh, a boss with the ladies; he's a he definitely used to go into the gym as well. So takes the work. Yeah, like I I think, um, man, I'm just glad that the creator got to make his his story that he wanted. He didn't get to do it with Zeno Gears, didn't get to do it with Zeno Saga. He finally got to do it with Zeno Blade, and he's definitely given that to Nintendo. And I'm I'm so happy that like this series has grown right as well, like in popularity. The third game was way better than I think anybody um, thought it was going to be. Like the fact that it got Game of the Year nominations yeah, is amazing that was crazy. for a RPG series like that. That's like so freaking. This is just like anime at the end of the day. <laughs> like you know, it's, um, but it actually and the way he's grown in telling the story, right? It's like yeah, a lot of the story beats, especially in three, were just like top top of the charts yeah like that chapter five to chapter six is still like yes. thinking about it oh man the, I, I was so close to crying because it was like, man, like this one is of so the good. best ways to subvert yeah. an expectation for something oh for <laughs> sure so yeah i mean like it, it does leave you with questions you know you think that that's it um you definitely do have but it it, it ties things in a nice like you do have a cool ending as well that like makes you feel like it was worth it to go through this entire series if you did that uh, i definitely do think that like you do need to have some appreciation for the other games this isn't like three where you could have played it without having played the other ones yeah you definitely do need to have played some of one and two because they literally go through some of one and two stuff and it, <laughs> and it literally does uh also like take you back to things as well so yeah that was cool it has its cool moments that i really enjoyed and uh, I'm happy to get to hear whenever you get to experience that, Scott. Because hopefully yeah. I get time. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? There's so much stuff uh, coming out. I think I'm almost at everybody's chat. Well, the people that have chapter fours, brought to Path Traveler two, still love the crap out of that game. Yes. Um, the stories are way better than the first one. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just I love the characters. The battle system was already great, so they didn't have to really add too much to it. But I do like the the latent uh, moves or whatever that they added, which is not really an overdrive, but it's like a, just kind of like an extra thing that all of them yep. have that you can use. So th they did a tremendous job to like improve that game and somehow make it better than the first one. And they said, they don't know if three is in the cards <laughs> yet or not, but I really hope so. Cause I'd like to see how they could even do that even better. Um, somebody shut up at my house here. So my dog is going nuts. I'm sorry if you're hearing that. Uh, I think the only other game which I kind of just asked for a code and I didn't expect that they were going to reply within like an hour. Um, it's called Bat Boy. It actually technically has not come out yet. It comes out <laughs> on the 25th. Uh, they don't really have an embargo. It's more of like a they don't want people to show video more than audio. But it, so it's like a 8-bit cross between Mega Man and Shovel Knight and maybe some Sonic so it has like the shovel knight like color palette kind of uh with a lot of you know mega man sort of tropes with you have your characters are all sports stars at a japanese school and they all get <laughs> taken by this this evil warlord or whatever to this world and you're literally you're the baseball player and what do you have your bat you have your bat and some of the characters are literally throwing baseballs. It's a pitcher throwing a baseball at you, and you have to hit it back with the bat to kill it. It's um, 
And and then when you actually get to go through the killing the boss, you get to rescue one of your characters. You get their power. So that's like sort of that's the Mega Man cool. tie into it. Um, I, I've only gotten through like the first world or whatever. It's it's pretty fun. I'm used. I'm playing on PS5, so uh, <laughs> I originally wanted to play on Switch, but you know when somebody gives you a code, I'm not going to complain about whatever console it's on. No. <laughs> um, so. I'll um, play wherever yeah, you have a code. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And let's set this on PC. If I can't run it on my PC, then no. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um it's I think it's a nice little game. Uh I'll obviously get to play it more, but I've been enjoying it. And I'm normally not like a big uh, Mega Man person, but it's been it's been uh, fun so far. I definitely think people should uh give it a look at if you're Looking for something else besides Tears of the Kingdom, and you like those kind of old old games. <laughs> You're not right playing now. Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, literally, everybody's gonna be upset that not not me, not this show, probably personally, but so many shows that's gonna be their content for like the next month. So get ready. People. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what NEP's next one's gonna be yeah. all about. <laughs> and by, the, by the time, by the way, y'all were talking on NEP, I was like, oh, all they're gonna do for the next episode is the four of them are gonna gush about Tears of the Kingdom the whole time. So, yeah, but uh, I'm sure all of you that are playing that game or enjoying the crap out of it would be cool to hear what anybody that's watched or listened thought. You leave your thoughts in the comments there. Um, so, you know, just to uh, to get into some news here for a little bit, um, there is some Nintendo stuff to hit here. Uh, Nintendo, obviously, they're, the Switch is in its um, pretty much seventh year at this point. It's incredible that it is still going, uh, but the sales are starting to slow, obviously. Uh, and and considering inflation, it kind of makes sense. But Nintendo says they're not going to lower Switch prices, uh, and that you shouldn't be expecting a new Switch until at least spring 2024 at the earliest. Uh, and of course, Sharp has kind of hinted that they're making LCD displays, and they do mention that they're working on a console, but they don't mention obviously who with. And they did do some assembling work on the switch. So that goes, uh, I guess my question here, do you think that I know we're, we're probably on the cusp of a recession <laughs> and all that stuff. Do you think that, that we will at some point get a switch um, price cut? I don't think we're going to switch price cut until probably after the next console gets, that's just really? how Nintendo generally wow. does it. Unless, I mean, the biggest thing that they'll do for like price cuts is they'll just release like a smaller power console or in yeah. this case, like the switch Lite. So right. if you don't want to get an actual switch or like the switch OE led, you can just get a switch light for cheaper. Um, Nintendo's not always the biggest with cutting their prices unless they're, unless they get like a lot less people buying the thing, which 50% isn't that bad considering how much it still sells. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely not. Especially with this uh, big game, uh, you know, that just came out right now. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot more sales uh, for the, you know, for the system and, and for the games as well. Uh, it does, like, lead me to wonder, I mean, how long can they really keep this going we, I feel like I'm saying that every year. I mean, they find a way. <laughs> How long can the Switch keep selling you? <laughs> yeah, they find a way to keep going. So, do you, I mean, and it has to be a Switch too, right? Like they can't possibly like reinvent I, the wheel again. If they do, I'll be really surprised. I just because if 
my thinking of what most people want right now from Nintendo is just a more powerful type Switch. Exactly. That's, that's and what we we've all seen want. that with the Steam Deck and with other, you know, handhelds being released, is that people are trying to get them because it's basically just like a more powerful Switch. It's just, it's not a Switch, but... <laughs> right, yeah, you can't play the Nintendo. Yeah. On, a, on a similar par as the Steam Deck, that would be all people would want. <laughs> exactly. I mean, as long as you can still play on the TV and then you can dock it and or undock it and play it that way. I mean, yeah. that's all I really want as well. Uh, it's a more powerful Switch. Just it's it's still my primary console. Like I still play mostly things on my Switch <laughs> if I can. Um, obviously, there's the you know whatever's on Game Pass, which you know I, I tried out that Ravenlock game on there because it's on Game Pass, and you know there's stuff on PS5 like Final Fantasy 16 that I'm definitely gonna buy. Yep. But it's just the Switch makes it so nice, uh, like the Vita once did. To play your indie games or play <laughs> other things that are not graphically powered, right? Yeah. So it's just interesting to me that, like, uh, I, I know Nintendo kind of likes to keep people guessing, but it's interesting to me that Miyamoto and everybody would even think about why kill the golden goose at this point? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, you they've always had some kind of portable thing. So even if you do whatever it is that you want to do after this, like. Don't you have to keep the Switch going as sort of your, like, extension of the Game Boy? Yeah, I, I really hope that whatever they do decide with either be a new Switch or they do try to do another, like, actual console, port, like, not a non-portable one, that it is backwards compatible. Because there is a humongous amount of software units sold for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many people yeah. having that big of a library on it. So... Uh, if they want to retain a lot of their like user base, it's going to require them to have some kind of backwards compatibility, unless it's something that I guess can also interact with the Switch, and they just want to keep people buying the Switch too. I just yeah. don't think that they want to utilize that kind of distribution of production of building both Switch and whatever their new console is going to be. Right, because then you have the thing that happened with the 3DS, right, where it's like, okay, well, when do we decide to put a game on this thing? When do we decide to put a game on that? And yeah. It, so, like, that's what was awesome about the Switch. It's like, oh, we finally got what we wanted for all these years of... Now you don't have to worry about, oh, man, are they going to put it on 3DS, really? Like, Yeah. So. <clears throat> Luckily, we don't, need to, we don't need to have a 3DS now. Yeah. And especially now that the, you know, eShop's closed on the 3DS. Bless its heart. <laughs> yeah. Pour one out for the 3DS <laughs> eShop. Maybe not so much the Wii U eShop. But I don't know if people one. use the Wii U eShop. No, <laughs> except for, for like virtual consoles. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's another thing too. Like you have, they have to be thinking about, I know Miyamoto said that he doesn't want to necessarily be limited by the fact that they have to make it work backwards compatibility, but it's like, that's, that will be so soul crushing to know that all these games that I have on the system, it's not like they don't work. But it's like, I want to carry them forward. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like Xbox and PS and, and PlayStation is doing it. Like, that's just kind of the way of the world at this point. We all want to just keep our game libraries <laughs> yes. going on. Um, we do. Like, that's the thing is, I is it would it just be bigger screen, more power, hopefully better battery? I don't know. It, I mean, if... If they are listening to their fans, that probably would be what people would want, is just a better Switch. Because <laughs> yeah. the Switch is such a good console. 
And obviously it's selling as well as it is because of how good of an idea it is as a console. But if they are going to try to do something new, which is something that Nintendo does have a knack of and a problem of doing, they want right. to have very innovative consoles that try to redo the markets kind of a deal. The Wii did it. The Switch will do it. Or the Switch did it too. People are actually, you know, using handheld consoles now, not just the weird emulation stations that are being sold from like third-party companies. Right. So now it's the question is if they want to keep going with their innovative thought process, they will have they will probably do something that's different, and it probably won't be backwards compatible with the Switch. Yeah, probably. But if they're listening to fans, people will want their Switch libraries. People who have hundreds and hundreds of maybe even thousands of dollars into the Switch. They want to keep those libraries for the next console. Yeah, there's some people that have multiple switches in their house because yes. each one of their kids has one or yes. uh, family members or whatever. So it's like, man, we don't want to lose that at all. Not that you don't. Again, it's like, yes, you can still play your switch. Like I, I wanted to pick up the OLED, but I'm like, I watch, <laughs> I'll pick up the OLED. And then that's when they announce the next so they, switch thing. Switch. And it's like, oh man, it's that's gone. Yeah. But yeah, I just... I'm just I'm worried that they're gonna try to do be too crazy, and I, I really at this point like I don't know how you innovate anymore. Like you already have VR, yeah, people doing VR. You already have, and they tried VR; it wasn't great for them. No, uh, you know it's like you already have powerful consoles. I'm not saying you have to stay in your niche, but it stay in your niche. I mean, like. <laughs> Why? Why? Nintendo kill, why, has the yeah. weird problem of they have a very, very, very large niche of just casual fans of Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> everyone wants the Nintendo. <laughs> but it's like when you already did the Wii. Like, how much more casual can you get at that point? Like, it's, uh, you you made it to the point where people got tired of playing games like that. Yeah. So, um, it's it's actually crazy what Nintendo's been able to do, where they had the Wii U and it's basically like. Oh, it's just too early of a version of the Switch, you know. And then this comes out. So Switch is doing not just Switch, but Nintendo itself is doing amazing. Mario's movie smashing yes. records, one point two billion, and now it's going to hit video on demand uh, tomorrow, basically. So, like th these, uh, now all that's left is to to make uh, Anuma happy, right? And make that Zelda movie happy. <laughs> Like, Do it. <laughs> uh, just to, I guess, stay on that that Zelda topic for a second. He does mention Anuma. That is that basically, uh, he's he's telling Game Informer at this point, um, probably Kyle Hillier because I think he's the one that did the review for them. You know, Ocarina of Time was cool, Majora's Mask was cool, but that style that they had for the '64 was kind of limiting. Yes. Uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom allowed them to kind of have a lot more freedom. So. Pretty much he's saying that, look, this formula that we found, this is what we're going to be doing with Zelda for a while. Uh, I mean, how do you do you how do you take that? I mean, like, <laughs> do you want to have, uh, you know, a, an Ocarina of Time sort of Zelda still? Do you want to have a 2D <laughs> Zelda or are you just cool with the, this Zelda forever? 
So I am mixed, but uh, my favorite Zelda of all time is actually Majora's Mask. I oh, love yeah. how tight-knit it is. I love the time system. I know people don't like the three-day thing, but I absolutely love it and relish in it because it was also big on understanding what every where everything was in the world, and it made it actually feel so much more alive because it always had something going on in some place at some time. And so I did like how linear and tight-knit it was, and part of me will miss that having a more tight-knit, linear, kind of story-based Zelda game. It's like Zelda's always been a lot of venture and exploration and escapism. Right. But Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom have basically turned escapism into just full-on immersion with its sandbox open world. But at the same time, it loses a lot of the story elements that right. previous Zeldas have had. And yes, I know the Zelda stories are pretty simple, generally. Link has to go fight Ganon to save Zelda. It's very by-the-book numbers kind of a deal from the original Legend of Zelda. But they do it so differently in every game that it does make it feel different and the atmosphere is always so different just like you could argue that a lot of the things from ocarina of time worked with like twilight princess and how they had a linear story approach in that but the differences of breath of the wild is, or, and the differences of twilight princess where things were darker and you had wolf fox like, right <laughs> so i am happy that they found a game system and a development system that they enjoy and they like playing with and i don't want to take that away from them just to constantly gear it towards fans i do appreciate having developers develop kind of for themselves at some points and yeah just basically be like if you like how what we like to play then you'll like this right i mean and then we do have a lot of indie games that are doing like the 2d zelda stuff yeah. or or zelda like games we've seen a lot of zelda like games come out uh recently you know tunic went to the point of just basically almost being a total homage to <laughs> pretty Zelda, much you know, yeah Zelda. plus we um, recently one that was hunt the night which was like a horror yeah. bloodborne zelda-esque game yeah I and mean, you had a death door is one that i absolutely loved death Store was great yeah year, you know so like they're doing it it's unfortunately it's like nintendo's just they're doing this it doesn't mean that they won't i mean they did remake link to the past yeah so could they remake one of the other games sure i mean uh still waiting for the wind waker one yeah <laughs> I, I think i i do believe the rumors very much like metroid prime where that game both of those games wind waker and twilight prince are just sitting there and yeah. they're just waiting to release those at a moment just waiting for a, a drought of games and being like here you go <laughs> yeah i mean i would not be surprised if there's a direct during the whole summer games fest or whenever the heck they're going to do it and they announce those for like I don't know, November or something, yeah. or October, and here, hey, here they are. You know, you can play them now or whatever. It's just, um, I, I do hope we do get at least a two D Zelda because those are the ones that I love yes. the most. But you know, if this is the direction that they're going in or they want to stay in, look, it's making them money. People are look what the the whole freaking <laughs> world is talking about Zelda right now. Like, uh, you know. This is the game they've been anticipating for the entire year. So when you can do this kind of monumental touching of not just the gaming, I was watching Guardians and they showed like three commercials for Zelda and people <laughs> that were in the theater were like, "Oh wow, wait, that's coming out! I need to go buy that." And then uh, the the one the one I think it's like New Zealand Australia commercial that's like sad. It was like the dad's just by himself, like just playing um and but he's do, figuring all this stuff yeah. out and it's it's cool like it's just like that's a a moment that you don't really get 
with that's always Mario. Right? Yeah. It's so it's always Zelda getting those moments for them has got to be amazing. For, you know, so we got to think about it like that. Everybody that's like, oh man, I just want my 2D Zelda. Oh, I, I want yeah. Ocarina of Time. Like, I mean, it's it's hard to yeah. not think too selfishly because it's a game genre or thing that you like or want, but at the same right. time you're also going to be pushing a lot of the desires of other people out because a lot of people wanted just a better Breath of the Wild as Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. A lot of people wanted just more exploration, more freedom, more creativity. And Tears of the Kingdom did give that to people in spades. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any people was expecting that most of their time was spent building bridges in Tears of the Kingdom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly wasn't what my thought process was. Yeah, yeah. Wait until you get to build other stuff and you're stuck doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna build this such a big wagon. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of went with that with uh, Final Fantasy 16, you know, because Final Fantasy is my favorite series. Yeah. And so, like, I kind of felt for the people that were like, "Oh man, I just want the old Final Fantasy back." I just want. It's <laughs> like, guys, I mean, we got to think about not that they don't make money because obviously, look at all these other yeah turn-based games that do. It's just this is what they want to make. At the end of the day, it's they're the ones making the game, and and then also when you got Final Fantasy fourteen, such a behemoth over there, uh, <laughs> yeah. that they're saying that the whole reason they didn't make a lot of money this quarter or whatever is because they didn't have an expansion for Final Fantasy fourteen, and then the guy behind that's making this new game. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? So yeah, uh, I think we should give the game the benefit of the doubt before we just all of a sudden just cast aspersions against it because we do that too much in oh, in the gaming sphere nowadays. It's like. Oh, I don't like this thing, so it's terrible already, and it hasn't even come out yet. It's like, come on, guys, play it first. You yes, know, it's it's tough because there's a lot of people that will just hate on games, and I feel like that's like their whole personality sometimes, where they just hate games. <laughs> there's too many great games that come out all the time, uh, or at least really good ones, for you to be worrying about hating on things. Like yeah, just like I, I don't understand the people that go, Oh, I'm a gamer, but what do you do? Oh, I just want to be negative half the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, okay. just want to post yeah. another screenshot of very zoomed in 30 FPS. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's like, oh God, look at how terrible this runs. Really, you're just showing me a screenshot of like <laughs> this one specific thing. Like, thanks, guys. Like, like great. That not... tells me absolutely nothing. <laughs> exactly. It tells me nothing. That's the thing though, is um, you know, Xbox is hoping to remove some of that negative uh stigma that they have with redfall and their 30 fps issues and they're they're trying to hopefully get that put on this new thing that they've decided hopefully <laughs> thinking that they're going to acquire an activision blizzard and it did make a good step today and possibly having that happen with the eu passing the deal um yep. basically saying that the cma was wrong to uh, block the deal because they're overestimating the cloud market uh, by doing what you know the CMA should have done, which is looking at the exact number of people that actually use <laughs> X Cloud, and then looking at how many people just have Game Pass Ultimate. And it's quite funny that both of them just took shots at each other during this thing. <laughs> yes, but the EU is basically saying that this is not going to harm competition. It's not going to harm Sony uh cloud gaming we remedied that by basically giving it away for free 
Uh, Which was for a ridiculous least... ride of E, by the way. Yeah, right? And the fact <laughs> that Microsoft went for that, too. Like, okay, you have a 10-year deal, but for that entire 10 years, you basically have to give it to them. You cannot say no. So that's crazy, the fact that uh, that, that block by the CMA made them have to just concede to that, to be like, okay, whatever. Whatever cloud That's streamer. the freaking thing. We're done with all Yeah, that. just... This thing's not going to, that's the thing though, is like, I get it. The CMA is trying to future proof this, Yeah. but there's nothing saying that cloud gaming is going to be the next big thing, right? Like, no, and it's ironic because I don't think VR, which is PlayStation's direction is also going to be a new thing either. Yeah. They're both trying to estimate what they think will be the big new thing. And I think that's always going to be something that's both problematic, but something that's also worth gearing towards because they want to always be the next big thing. Right, but, somebody yeah. wants to do what Nintendo did and be able to <laughs> pop the bottle and go, "Oh yeah, everybody's doing it now." You yeah. guys have to copy us. Like that—that's the thing is they they haven't been able to do that. So, I maybe I've always believed that Microsoft's idea of what Phil Spencer wants is actually the direction because we keep seeing this where people want to play things wherever it is that they play. Right, yeah. he's not wrong in that aspect, but. Like, I, I for one, me personally, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't care. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm I not want a, this deal over with. Yeah, like I'm tired of talking about it. I don't really care about anything that Activision makes except for maybe Crash and uh, Blizzard. Okay, I'll buy Diablo by itself, but the rest of the stuff, I don't. I don't really care. Yeah. So, like for me, it's not about the games. Like, okay, if if Sony bought Square Enix tomorrow. That would affect me because that's half the games I play come from that company. So I would know that, okay, now to be able to play those games, I have to buy whatever Sony's console is or whatever. And I kind of get that from perspective of, okay, you're forcing me to have to buy this thing. But that is kind of like sort of how this game works. You need to have exclusives to drive people to that thing that you want. So and like, where do you sit? with this deal and like do you think now that microsoft has a leg up on (laughs) the ftc and the cma and be like okay what are y'all gonna do now so i still probably have the same i i guess mentality that i had last year where i figured that this deal will pass but it'll be at like the end of june um i do think the cma was the most unexpected thing for that to happen i did not see the block happening especially when they went out and said sony has no reasoning for why they disagree with what what they do with Xbox, because they're right, and so is Xbox. Xbox has no reason to pull Call of Duty from PlayStation because PlayStation right. makes it so much money. Microsoft, even if they do have like a brand for Xbox, at the end of the day, they're a company that wants profit. Yeah, if they Especially... get profit from putting on an enemy competitor. Yeah, heck yeah. It's just most of the time you look at like the say the PlayStation fan base. A lot of them don't want Game Pass because of reason. Yeah. Generally because they have this big site of a big one that goes through of ownership. They don't like renting games, which is right. also why like the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium ones aren't nearly going to have as many subscribers as Game Pass probably will. Yeah. Even though they have been improving that PlayStation Plus. They have a been lot. improving yeah. it a like 100%. I am really happy that they're on that wagon because I do agree that Game Pass is a fantastic deal in gaming. It gives you a lot of games. It gives you a lot of things you can play. 
And so I like having PlayStation try to work that horse, so to speak. And even though they don't get a lot of day ones, which they do get some, but most of them are like the exclusive third-party indie games, which I'm perfectly fine with. A lot of the third-party indie yeah. games are great they get. Yeah. At the same uh, time, we don't get a lot of first-party PlayStation titles that are a year out, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't get the day and date. But it is cool that they, like, finally brought Ratchet and Clank Rift apart. So now I'm Absolutely. finally going to play that game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been saving. I've been trying to, like, save my money to get it. And it's just like, oh, it's on. It's going to be on extra now. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I am kind of excited to try out Humanity, which you can get tomorrow, day and yeah. day. You know, like, that game it's, looks cool. Um, yeah, at least to try it out, you know, whether I don't like it or not, it is what it's, it is. It's an interesting concept. And I like, I like indie games that kind of push their own creativity to making and like having you think of different ways to play. Oh, because yeah. yes, it definitely has like those, I guess, like lemmings vibes of getting humans to one spot to the other. But I really exactly. like like the art inception as well as just like the idea that it has with the dog as like the guide for everything. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with an Ansu being your, your guide at all. Uh, I feel like PlayStation that. just likes animals. Their first one's Stray, this one's Humanity. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of Tokyo Jungle as well, which I feel like is such an underrated, you know, PlayStation thing. You need to put that on your, your console, uh, Sony. Yeah. That game is great. And, I mean, they've liked – I know you liked uh, Meet Your Maker a lot. Yes. Was, uh, they, they, I thought Chia was pretty good as well. Like So they've actually hit it pretty well with these indies on on the first day but like i mean obviously microsoft's playing nice with them with the bethesda additions the last two months yeah i, I absolutely you know. think this is because of the deal going exactly on. yeah for sure <laughs> like this isn't this isn't that play nice as much as look we're giving stuff to playstation we don't care about console wars right yeah <laughs> you take take watch dogs legion and the sonar games take the and, entire bethesda uh, library yeah, exactly basically within <laughs> the last two months they've taken the whole bethesda library uh and then if you haven't played the tomb raider games which those are all great the the newer ones they're all going to be on there and then a PlayStation 5 launch game that I've kind of wanted to play for a long time, Sukuno of Rice and Ruin. Yeah, That's cool that that's on there, finally. So, And then uh, Souls-like and Timesia. I you know, so probably not play that, but it does look nice. <laughs> and Rune Factory 4 Special is also uh, that is one solid. that I've wanted to play. <laughs> so they have some good stuff uh, on there this, this time. But going back to the, even though I think that they're, they're, they're still kind of failing at the classic stuff, yeah. Like, how do you add... The premium tier is not worth it. Yeah. I, I don't know why I keep subscribing to that thing. I feel like I need to just dump it down to the extra, because every time... I keep thinking that they're going to add yeah. something. It's just like, I haven't seen anything worthwhile until, like, Legend of Dragoon. Exactly. That's the and whole then... reason. <laughs> and the rest of the games is just like, okay, Toy Story? <laughs> and, like, I thought PS4 games were supposed to be part of extra automatically, so... Should, why are they now remasters for yeah. whatever reason I, I i don't get their thinking here make any sense at least xbox makes more sense when they just tell you okay here are the games <laughs> this is like the new stuff whatever we don't try to hide it behind a bunch of tears like yeah it is the that one is something thing. that playstation needs to do better with is not just i guess the transparency but also focusing on laying them out better because for the most part they only show the extra list now you have to like find everything else <laughs> they really ought to just do away with the, and just... i mean if they're not going to put that much effort into premium why even try i know that they i mean there is a decent amount of people who want to play more like playstation playstation 2 games 
Yeah. But that requires them to actually, you know, put the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games on the premium tier. Exactly. Uh, even the PS3 ones, even though they're stream only. The stream only ones uh, are okay-ish. Yeah. I mean, yes, you don't want to play like God of War through stream, but being the JRPG guy that I am, I am absolutely fine with cloud oh, exactly. games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't feel it that much with those. I mean, that brings up a good point that that's the whole thing with the CMA made no sense because like Xbox and PlayStation right now are hiding that behind their subscription yes. service because it doesn't sell by itself. No. So like, I don't know where they think their internet infrastructure is going to go in like five or 10 years, but it's definitely not going to get to the point where we're all going to be cloud gaming. Yeah. It's, so. it's This whole CMA thing is so wonky because the way that they did their like discrepancies are in ways that Microsoft can't really amend because it's just like, well, yes, you're giving this to this cloud company and this cloud company, but this cloud company is hosted by your Azure server. So it's still technically yeah. under you. And it's just like, 90% of like most businesses are going to be under Microsoft Windows. So that logic yeah. means that you can't do anything with anything. Yeah, and they shouldn't be forced to have to use uh, Apple or Linux because Microsoft <laughs> owns Windows. I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah. such a crazy thing that that's like their big discrepancy. It's like, yes, you could argue that Microsoft can control the cloud gaming thing, but the problem is there isn't really a cloud gaming market. Sure, we have exactly. like GeoForce. And we have Luna at the time, but most other cloud companies are like very small and very mm -hmm. niche. Like, yeah. like Boosteroid apparently has a cloud gaming service, and I've never heard of that really. Is uh, half those ones that Microsoft made deals with? I was like, what? <laughs> who like, are you? <laughs> yeah, who are you? Like, okay, I'm learning about you now. I guess that's like cool I, that I know exist. that there's a lot of those trying to get into the cloud gaming service, but it is a tough service to get into because there's not a lot of demand. And then also, like, who's going to sign an exclusive deal with you that you're going to want to get that service to play that game? Like, okay, Amazon can pull it off for Luna because they're Amazon. But, like... I mean, they have a, a, an immense amount of just capital they can have. Exactly. That's not going to be every small little cloud. Exactly. So that's why this whole deal with Microsoft being able to give things for free to them to give them some games that are going to be on their service. That's cool. I just think that it's like the CMA is very short-sighted in this and it feels more like I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but it really does feel like sometimes like they, they <laughs> promised Jim Ryan that they were going to do something. So they're so, doing it. Yeah. The irony thing is everyone wants to blame PlayStation, but I'm yeah. going to put in another thing to you. It's Google's fault. Oh yeah. Google definitely. It makes up like more than 90% of the mobile gaming market is, yep. in uh, the UK. So a lot of the Google thing, especially the spite of, you know, Google Stadia not working out. Yeah. Which, by the way, it wasn't that bad of a cloud gaming service. It probably was the best in terms of latency and input when it comes to the cloud gaming services. So that is sad. And it was also the only one that had the Trail series on it, by the way. Right. <laughs> Xbox can't do that because they don't have a Japanese market. Yes, yeah, I want them to get a Japanese market so that I can buy they... the Trails games a fourth time, okay? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so hard to ask. Are they going to be able to put them all on there? Because, you know, the first two are like owned by another whole publisher. Yeah, so succeed. Uh, I, just, I just want Exceed and NIS America to work something out so that we can get Trails in the Sky everywhere other than Steam. <laughs> I agree. I would love to have those on Switch. I'd actually play them. But. Falcon put it yeah. on Switch in Japan, but you know the whole yeah. licensing thing—they can't do it here. <laughs> yeah, it's, so uh, that's a, a problem. Yep, exactly. I, that's 
the the thing for me is that at least now they seem to have a way forward. Uh, we'll have to see what the FTC is able to do with this lawsuit that they have on them. Obviously, it's American court, and Microsoft is an American company, so I'm sure yeah. they will be able to figure out a way around this. It also doesn't help that this is now being politicized, yeah, and uh, it's becoming call. a Republican <laughs> and Democrat thing. And uh, so Linda Khan is going to have her hands full with that. I don't know what's going to wind up happening. They might have to wind up letting it go through because of you don't want to start a whole big another issue that you're going to have. Uh, yeah. So it might be the fact that Microsoft might have to threaten the CMA with, yo, we're literally going to make it to where <laughs> there's going to be nothing that involves us in the UK. And you're going to just be sitting there on an Island by yourself. Yeah. Uh, the only so... thing that I could see of that is it wouldn't be everything with Microsoft and uh, right. Activision is they'd probably just remove the cloud itself from yeah. The UK, which is really bad for those who are in the UK and using the like xCloud right now. Exactly. But again, there's not a large market for the xCloud, so there's all, right. All the Their internet's even now. worse than here. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay because so. Yakuza Seven plays great on xCloud. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the one that, and then hopefully Yakuza Eight will play. Uh, hopefully, just good too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're gonna. That's still gonna be a thing that's gonna be talked about until that closes. Uh, as yeah. I've said every time, I have to mention that this thing on this show, which I'm so tired of talking about. We will just be able to say thank you for whatever the problem is. If it gets blocked or if it goes through, thank you for letting us be done. Yes. <laughs> no, but then the problem is if it doesn't go through, the next thing will be everybody talking about what's the next thing Microsoft's going to buy. Like... The problem is I don't know if Microsoft's going to let Phil do that after having such a large ex egregious uh, process. Yeah. I mean, how easy it was for with with Bethesda, and that was when Phil Spencer was basically given the green light to buy whoever he wanted. Right. Like, oh, this is an easy merger. We're so much user, you're so used to like the Google crap, but okay. <laughs> Bethesda yeah, I just mean, was it, like, swipe. <laughs> is that, and like, that's the thing. You just bought the biggest one. So, how, yeah. where do we go about like buying the ones that are technically smaller and it's technically not the whole industry or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting about where they go with that, what they do, if or if not. I mean, it'll be much worse if it, if it doesn't go through. But I'm kind of hoping it goes through just to, just let's, to be done let's, with it. <laughs> not, not to be just be done with it, but just like I want to see Sony have to like yeah. make some moves besides just money hiding everything. I want to see them make some moves, you know, that, that have to are you going to make your own shooter franchise now and like try to do something with that? We I may mean, have, you have an Death actual Death. COD killer. That's not Fortnite. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, are you, is that going to be Bungie doing it? I don't know, but like, that's the thing is I think it makes it more interesting when you have the three players instead of just the two uh, Japanese companies and just, you have Microsoft wanting to do kind of like their own thing. Yeah. So I want to see where that goes, what it takes, where it takes gaming as far as. Uh, Plus, hopefully we can actually, it'll actually might force Phil to actually not put everything hands off with Activision because he won't be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, he did say they were going to report to him. Who knows what's going to. If he's hands we'll off with Activision, uh, I don't think they want that company. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. You got to be hands on with them. Even though I hope Bobby Kozik's going to be out the door yes, uh, pretty quickly after that. We'll see what happens there. But 
Um, of course, let's let's not kid around. That dude, he just wants his money, okay? Really? Like, oh, absolutely. He's, he's he just wants his parachute and go. <laughs> exactly. He wants his money to get out of there. But I mean, as we talked about with the Switch, you mentioned uh, the Steam Deck, and Microsoft is obviously benefiting from this because it allows <laughs> cloud gaming to uh, be in all of these portable gaming devices that are seemingly rising up after the Steam Deck came. Um, one of them is, in fact, the Asus Raj Ally, uh, Republic Gosh. of Gamers, for you guys that don't know. the That's, in fact, the, the laptop that I'm using right now is an Asus. <laughs> That's the thing is uh, this this ally is supposed to be the the next you know I wouldn't say Steam killer Steam Deck killer nah, but it's, it's the, not going to be a Steam Deck killer yeah, yeah the <laughs> it'll be a competitor though <laughs> exactly the competitor and that's what you want you want competitors in this market and and they're trying to do that so June thirteenth is the release date for seven hundred buckaroos U.S. dollars also in yeah. pounds that's a lot of money it does bring you a uh, AMD Risen Z1 Extreme 8-core processor, 16 gigabytes of RAM, which that's pretty damn great it, for a Yeah, portable. it's DDR5 RAM, by the way, uh, yeah. which is just ridiculously fast. Exactly ridiculously fast. And then, of course, you know, you can get your own SSD card for storage and all that. Yeah. Um, or, And it, and it does have a 7-inch screen, which is like the Switch OLED. Yeah. Uh, it can run up to 60 frames in a turbo mode, but obviously that kills the battery. Uh, which the, the battery life on that thing in turbo mode is terrible. <laughs> like a, an hour. You can reach 120 frames per second. Doesn't mean you should. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean you should. I'll definitely probably play it in like the middle mode that they said last about as yeah. long as the... I have the original launch date switch. <laughs> and so my switch only still goes to like three hours. Yeah, same so, here. <laughs> I mean, but that's okay. Like, you know, uh, it's not as great as the, the more, the ones that they have now, which can last longer, but for the power that you get with this thing, if you can get it to last three hours and play kind of almost anything on it, that's pretty amazing. And obviously it runs Windows 11, so you don't have to do the stuff we have to do with Steam Deck. Yeah, we don't gotta... have to do the Protons or trying to pack yeah. out the BIOS or any of that fun stuff. You know, as somebody that's more familiar with this stuff than I am, I don't play a lot of stuff <laughs> on PC. Like, how good is this thing if it actually is, an av- is as advertised? And do you think it spurs like more of these? I hope it spurs more of these, but in terms of the specs, these specs are kind of ridiculous for this price point. This is like a $1,500 kind of price point when it comes to like what's in it with like RDNA 3, 3 architecture. We got 120 frames per second of like 1080p coverage on a seven inch. And then we already talked about the 16 gigs of DDR5 RAM. It's just like, this thing is going to be a powerhouse if it's as good as they say it is. Right, But the problem comes with its OS. Windows 11 yeah. is great as a PC, but we don't know how well it's going to be as a handheld thing. It's yeah. similar to how, like, when you think of, like, all the controversy of Windows 8. Windows 8 right. was a great operating system for tablets and phones. When yeah, you had it as for a computer, PC, it, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of, like, when you look at, like, uh, people who did like prototype reviews and previews of the Asus Aragali, you had a lot of people having issues with the OS being a bit clunky, having issues not being able to have like a well a trackpad like the Steam Deck has, so like the mouse isn't as intuitive as it is on Steam Deck. Which, by the way, I was not expecting to like the trackpad because I thought it'd just be like a weird gimmick, but it is yeah. amazing on Steam Deck. Having to be able to like oh, really? use it for like a shooter or like moving it for like a mouse, it is very nice. 
So I understand that completely, that without having a trackpad, some people just don't want to look at it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're not going to be mostly using that unless you're trying to do like a lot of shooters or stuff, which I mean, the trackpad is also how good you are with trackpads in general, which I mean, to be right. fair, you have to be good at a mouse to be good at a mouse too. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throg Ally is actually like, when you look at the price point, it is like half the cost if you tried to build this in a PC kind of a deal. But the diff the problem lies in the fact that PC has a lot more use case than a ROG Ally. ROG right. Ally is going to be solely trying to be focused on the gaming aspect with a little bit of help with other, I guess, things. If you want to put it like on a monitor or a screen or a TV, you can yeah. also connect it with like a dock and a mouse and a keyboard and all that. But my biggest issue is going to be how it works with its operating system, how it's going to work with like a new launch of it especially since Windows 11 is still kind of new as an operating system. So a lot of the intricacies is going to have to also be worked through with Microsoft, which we did yeah. see Microsoft was there for the event. So they right. are working closely in line with Asus. Yeah, you're going to have <laughs> Xbox, basically Game Pass is going to be native on that thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I am it, absolutely down with that. Uh, me too. You have a process to get it to work. <laughs> yeah, because like I, I, um, you know, I want to play that uh, cassette beast. It's like a game piece of game. Yeah, it's like a Pokemon like, you know. And hey, if I had the Raj Ally, I'd totally be playing that right now because I don't have to play it on my PC. I can just sit on my bed or couch or whatever and just play this like I do my Switch. And I don't have to wait for it to come to console later in the month. I can just play it right now. So. Uh, like they do have cool things that come to PC Game Pass, and they can take advantage of that more if you have something you could partner with, like this thing, and you don't have to come with your own proprietary Xbox, whatever it is, handheld, you know. So, like, that's that was my other thing, too. Is like, do you think Microsoft is being a lot smarter than, say, the rumored Sony Q Lite thing oh, that's the... going to do remote play? That, yeah, I. I'm not going to say too much because I don't know a lot about what they're planning, which I mean, a lot of people don't yeah. know what Sony is planning, yeah. especially if they're trying to focus on remote play. I can imagine that if they are focusing on remote play, it's for uh, helping out the cost so that the device itself is not going to be very powerful. Right. But they're also focused on putting a lot of haptic feedback and a lot of things inside this thing is what the rumors suggest. And another, like another fun thing is, a lot of these rumors were saying that they were basically being built aligned with the ROG Ally, so that there's also like, there's probably a lot more things in the in like the backgrounds of other hardware companies that's going to come out something yeah. similar to like the ROG Ally, because we've gotten rumors of other like devices being made. So it's just like it's only a matter of time till we start getting just a humongous satur saturation of these handheld PCs. Which I don't mind, because that means the more comp competition means that the prices will start to lower. Exactly. And uh, that will be great. <laughs> it, it's also all about the support as well, right? Yes. Like, you know, That's my will biggest they support worry of Asus things? right now. Because <laughs> yeah, the Steam Deck yeah. issue of Valve is no longer a thing, because it's now humongously supported by its own community. There are right. so many additions and additives with like the Protons, and being basically with tutorials and guides on how to set things up that usually wouldn't work on Steam Deck because yeah. their community is just ridiculous right now. Right. And I don't know if Asus is going to have that help with them. They're not going to have as much people helping them as Steam Deck is right now. I mean, I think the one difference is obviously Asus is going to try to sell us in a store. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, you'll get the casual person that says, 
oh, this looks like the Switch. You know, <laughs> oh, but it's more expensive. Oh, and it's sort of technically like a computer. Oh, and I can play all these games on it. Whatever. I'm sure they'll have games that'll be on the front of the box if Xbox is not right there on the front of it either. They have something on the front uh, of the box. <laughs> that's the thing is, will that help sell it and then help other people come into the market and go, okay, well, let's put this at a Best Buy or what have you, Walmart, and say, okay, this is the next thing in gaming. You don't have to buy a, a play. You can't play. You can technically play some PlayStation games on there. You can play Xbox games. You're not going to play Nintendo games. <laughs> you know, you can play some things on there from those consoles. Uh, and you could probably perhaps play them better looking yeah. or not so much, and depending on what it is. And you don't have to worry about whole buying a new computer all the time. It's just going to work thing, which that's my yeah. thing with computers is, yeah. Uh, I don't know if stuff. this is going to work <laughs> on my laptop. And then, okay, I just, especially if I'm asking for a code and then I get it on PC and it doesn't work. And it's like, you have to do the embarrassing thing of being like, um, <laughs> can, uh, can I trade this out? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, can y'all take, I'm not going to be able to review this now. I have to just buy it on my own. Or, and that's the thing too. Like, okay, look, let's be honest. Part of being able to review the game, which is actually something that you didn't get to experience in the past when yeah. they still gave you the physical copies, and sometimes it would actually make you give the physical copies back. Yep. Now it's like they don't have a way for you to give the code back. <laughs> so no. it's like you, you get a you do the work, you get a free game. You don't have to pay for the game at retail. It helps that way, but not when you get it for PC, it doesn't work on your PC, then you have to go buy it on whatever console you have and, and waste the money anyway. So that's the thing, is when you have these these little handheld uh, systems, things work better on there. Yes. And so that, that does kind of streamline things a bit, which may help people that are kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into PC gaming, but you have something that kind of is sort of what they're used to <laughs> and they can get PC gaming that way. So why do you think Valve doesn't just say, let's put this at a Best Buy or Walmart or whatever? I'm honestly surprised just that they don't do that with Valve. Valve is weird with how they do their hardware though, because they don't they haven't done it through controllers or the Steam Link or they do yeah. everything through their own basic like distribution facility. And it's kind of wonky because this would be something that most like retailers would absolutely want to have in their stores. Yeah. Unless it's there's new, apparently it's... some weird thing that they no longer wanted. It's just like, well, Switch sells well, this should sell well too. <laughs> exactly. I, I wonder if they would sell. I mean, not that they have a problem selling right now. All the hardcore gaming market wants that. Yeah. But it would be super helpful for them to be able to move this into a direction where it's like, oh, you're going to getting casuals into this. Or you're getting people that are not necessarily hardcore gamers, but maybe they, they want to get into certain games that they can play on PC and take advantage of those sales and all that stuff that you don't get to on, on other platforms. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting if that ever if, if we have so much competition that it makes – valve had to get out of their shell and go oh okay we got to go mass market with this thing or you think maybe they're mating they're waiting for like another a better version of the steam deck i don't think they're gonna try to make a better version of steam deck just yet i think they're gonna wait it out a bit uh especially with now that the, like there's a whole other competition market resurfacing I yeah. think it'd be wise for them to wait till they see a lot more of what their competition is giving out before they decide to do a like a refresh or something else with the steam deck because I absolutely do see them still working on the Steam Deck or working on something like it. Yeah. Because it sold really well for them, so much that it was sold out for like a year. Exactly. 
And then they incredibly were able to like make up all the ones that they had in queue, and we're like, oh, okay, we're empty now. You guys can just buy them like regular. That's- yeah, I I was a part of that where I was like, my queue was supposed to be like at the end of like December because I was getting it for myself for Christmas as I knew it was going to come in December. And right. then like once that happened, I just got it in like September. It's like everything wow. cleared out, yeah, just, so like super got- quick. And I was like, dang. <laughs> Did, so do you play more games? now because you had the steam deck or? absolutely yeah <laughs> i'm like you i'm on my pc when i do my work so it's always weird to like okay now i have to go from work mindset to game mindset on a different monitor and it's just like that that just doesn't always pan out that well yeah especially like if i might still have my team's thing open and i still get like work emails or stuff i have to not necessarily pay attention to but it'll still put me in a work mindset of oh this is what they need to do kind of a deal oh yeah definitely and i i just kind of like don't want to have to be sitting in the work chair yeah and oh, i'm still looking at the same screen i was just looking at for the, like the past eight hours like let me look yes. at something else like you know so that's why half the time i get home i just go watch tv because to not have to feel like i'm yeah. touching something with my hands you know <laughs> so yes um that's that's the thing is that would be cool for that to become a mass market deal so that we can have more opportunities to have those uh portable pcs so just to get some quick you know, get again into some quick hitters here. I don't know how much <laughs> of I'm not a big fighting game fan, but I do respect uh, Mortal Kombat because I yeah. like their story. They're kind of crazy. Oh, um, they are absolutely bonkers, and I love it. <laughs> now, now they're gonna do a whole reset on the whole thing. Apparently, it's called MK1. <sighs> it's coming this year, as you know, foretold yep. in an earnings call. Like, and then they're gonna have. Freaking Homelander and Peacemaker as DLC characters. I mean, this is nuts. Uh, so, I mean, I love the boys and Peacemaker for just. Yes. Uh, but that's crazy to think that they're going to be in Mortal Kombat. I'm not going to lie to you when I when I play Mortal Kombat One, I'm going to use Homelander as the training dummy every single time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I am actually for those who are like up to date on Mortal Kombat um, Eleven. I guess like DLC story. This kind of makes sense because of the way that it all ended with basically the timelines being like destroyed or reconfigured and then put together again. Because yeah. it kind of requires them to go back. Right. Because if they try to move forward from here, it's just like where do you go from destroying time itself? <laughs> yeah, no. God Lu Kang destroys time. Yeah, so I mean, how, do you like go back before that happened and just like stop him from destroying it? Like, I don't know. It's just like this makes a lot of sense for that. I know a lot of people yeah. were hoping it's just going to be a Mortal Kombat 12 because they're not really sure of why it goes from 9, 10, 11, 1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are going to be confused, I'm sure. And it's definitely not going to be like a remake of the first one. <laughs> no. I don't think you need that, but I mean, I guess and they could do it. Too. Not going to be a reboot-ish like Nine was. Yeah. So I don't know where they're necessarily going to go, other than they're going to just like try to start like a new entire timeline with. Yeah. Of of course the same characters, but it's probably right, going to be yeah. like something completely different, is my guess. Which I don't mind because honestly, like, yes, the story itself doesn't make a lot of cohesion, but it is so bonkers. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like <laughs> let me just. Uh, let me just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. You know, if anything, just to sit back and like laugh at how great dumb it is. <laughs> like, and honestly, like the, the amount of money they spent on like like the cinematic production is just yeah. way too much for what it is. But at the same time, I love how much detail they put into everything. Yeah, they like they. It's funny as they take it seriously 
while also laughing at themselves while you're sitting there going, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, it's going to cost standard price. There's going to be a collector's version that costs $250. Are you going to go spend I'm all that? I'm not buying the collector's yeah, not... edition. I'm, <laughs> honestly, if I don't get it at launch, I'm going to wait till they do like the thing they did with Mortal Kombat 11 where they did the ultimate edition that had all the yeah. DLC in it with the main game and it was like 30 bucks. And I was like, okay. I got the DLC, I got the game, and I got the characters. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, it's probably what I'm going to wind up doing, too. It's better just to wait for all the characters they're going to release and all that stuff, which it's crazy. The That also adds to it, too, right? Like, you really never know who they're going to have as DLC because they could no. literally have anyone. <laughs> yeah. And they'll somehow make it make sense, too. It's like, this they, doesn't they have, make sense. but it They does. have such a weird way of making like their character interactions work way too well for who it is yeah. they're talking to. And I know a lot of people probably figured this out initially from like the Mortal Kombat versus DC game, where like right. they put in such a weird world that worked way too well to have DC superheroes and villains fighting Mortal Kombat characters and having yep. them interact and it makes sense. So much, though, that Injustice has characters from Mortal Kombat showing appearances and they have history from that that game that isn't yeah. necessarily even connected to Injustice but it still works because no one asks questions about it. I'm surprised they're not doing an Injustice 3. That's the I'm one surprised that... too. I wonder if they have a different direction with Injustice because I mean yeah. it's technically a live service type game but at the same time not a lot of people are playing it as much. Right. There still has a hardcore audience though but <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they would get super excited if they did ever release a or announce a third one, uh, for sure. Of course, unfortunately, with game announcements, sometimes you get the uh, dreaded game delays, uh, and one of them is a personal one for me. I I've been wait. I I this was going to be my May game, so I I actually had requested a code for it like on Monday, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm not hearing anything back. You know, this is a an indie. I'm not expecting that. At least I would expect them to say like, okay, sure, here's a form or here's something. <laughs> and you don't hear anything, right? And then I go on their Twitter. There's like no, it still says May 2023. There's no announcement of a date. And I'm like, oh, they're going to delay <laughs> this thing. <laughs> like, And then all of a sudden this morning, there's the announcement of a delay, um, which is funny because they have a game coming out this week as well, the same studio. Yep. But... Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, they, I, I, I'm a big old school wrestling fan. So like having all those old wrestling legends in this game and then it being an RPG, just kind of like, you know what? I kind of always wanted to know what a wrestling RPG <laughs> would be like. So that's what intrigues me about this game. So I guess I just have to wait longer um, for it. But another one that it's obviously it's a much bigger in scale. <laughs> one um, people care about more. Yeah. Now. One people <laughs> care about is uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song. That one has been delayed. They apparently wanted it to come out by now, but it's gotten bigger. And obviously it, it got the announcement of being in Game Pass last year. And it's a game people love the first Hollow Knight. So they're mm-hmm. waiting with so much anticipation for this one. I mean, there, it's so funny yeah. because there's so many people when you go to like showcases for even like Nintendo, PlayStation, or Xbox, yep. where they're all like, where's Silk Song? Where's Silk Every Song? Every time where's there's Silk a direct. <laughs> Every time. This is going to be the moment we're going to see. Oh, Indie World, a Silk Song. It's like, nope. <laughs> um, I'm glad they got to announce it on their own terms. But yeah, it is kind of a bummer to see. But at the end of the day, like, you know what? Take your time. With all the broken game releases we've had this year, please just seriously <laughs> have it come out and run well and, and be the game you want it to be. 
So that's what matters. Um, are, are you anticipating uh, Soak Song or? I am in a sense, but I am also not the biggest with Metroidvanias, oddly okay. enough. Like I played I'm the first the one, way. I liked it, but it's not like it's going to be a day one purchase for me. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way too. There's some Metroidvanias that click with me, but a lot of them don't. Uh, that's one that like my co-host Mark is a huge Metroidvania guy. So <laughs> I'm sure he's probably looking forward to this more than I am. But this is a game that a lot of people were, were hoping would come out soon. And now, you know, we kind of don't really know when it's going to come out. We're just back in the waiting period. Yeah, yep. So at least we heard about him. That's the thing that matters. Yes. And it wasn't in a direct or a showcase of some kind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, well, while we vote for those, uh, we still got to hear about if Sony's doing their showcase. There is some games, uh, coming out this week that are not, uh, Tears of the King. You know, none of this is going to matter. Is everybody playing Tears of the Game anyway? But, uh, if you do have a uh, PlayStation Plus extra premium, you can pick up, you can go try Humanity or you can get it on PC or whatever, uh, your PS5, PS4s. Um, we both talked about it, both looking forward to it. Uh, definitely you should check it out if you have that uh i mentioned um the the aforementioned studio that's making russell quest they're also releasing this world championship boxing manager 2 that's coming out in a couple of days it's a 32-bit boxing management sim which has a cool art style thought it was interesting uh there's also one of the sites that work for last word on gaming they're gonna have a review probably in a couple of days so nice. so i throw that <clears throat> out there uh firmament it's coming to everything VR. Uh, it's a neat little adventure game that's coming out this week as well. And then Lego 2K Drive, which is probably the... This also was shown about five times in the movie theater I was watching Guardians in. <laughs> um, like, they, 2K definitely wants you to know that this thing exists and it is coming out here. They have a lot of uh, DLC already announced for it and everything. Where, where do you sit with the Lego games? Are you... Uh... I like Lego yeah. games, but I don't necessarily buy them day one, to be honest. Yeah. I'm Mainly because Lego too. games go on sale pretty cheap. <laughs> yes, that, and usually they end up coming to some kind of like PS Plus or something. Yeah. So I wait uh, for that. Um, this looks neat. I've seen a couple of trailers for it. Like, if you like Legos and building stuff and then also like driving games, I'm sure this will be fun. Uh, you know, I wouldn't expect like Forza levels of driving, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no one buys it, a Lego game expecting Forza, <laughs> yeah. but you know, at least uh, you'll get some fun out of it, whatnot. Um, as well, there. Uh, have you seen Guardians 3? I have actually, you have okay, great. So we both can talk about it, okay? So yes. let's not, I guess, get into spoilers, yeah, but um. <laughs> I guess what like I loved it. I loved it more than two, probably. It's yes. probably right up there with one for me. I think it's really close to the like yeah. uh, quality of one. Yes. I love the fact that they didn't, you know, they didn't tie James Gunn to the whole, oh, you have to make this make sense for the next <laughs> MCU. Uh whatever. It's like just make an awesome ending to Guardian, you yep. know, and they let him go make that. Uh, you told the one story that we've never really gotten unless you read the comics. Uh, it's sad at times. It's hilarious. Uh, I probably still like some of the music more from one than this one, but it still has some really killer tracks. Yep. Um, and it has everything you want in a Guardians movie. And yeah, I just love the crap out of it. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I really love the movie too. Um, uh, it definitely felt like um, the only like big directorial thing they told James Gunn to do is they needed Adam Warlock in the movie, and so yeah. he did that, and that was about it. <laughs> and they made him funny, which you know, they, he, so they changed his personality a bit because he's uh, he's supposed to be like a baby-ish version of Adam yeah. Warlock. <laughs> which that's how you make that work, right? Just like Baby yeah. Groot. You know, you you don't have to make him all serious and whatever. He's still powerful. He's still yes. Which I mean, I think is one of the reasons why James Gunn chose Will Poulter because he has one of those faces. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I remember thinking of just like this guy does not have the face of what I'd assume is Adam Warlock. Right. But then you watch this, you're like, okay, yeah, I I see where where he's coming from now. Definitely. <laughs> oh, but it works oh, yeah. really well. Like you don't get a lot of like stuff with Adam Warlock in the movie, and it shows. But at the same time, the moments you do get of him is just actually funny <laughs> yeah because a lot of times he just kind of comes out of nowhere and you're like what the plot <laughs> is going on adam warlock is in the plot now and now he's gone <laughs> <laughs> he's gone again all right like, so, um and then, and then the little uh the little pet that he has is uh yes, you know one of those like great <laughs> awkwardly alien cute things as well yes. um I could definitely see that being like somebody's like plushie that they want now for their bed yes. or whatever. <laughs> That's the merchandise. Um, yeah, I, I've, I'm almost sometimes like, God, if I would have seen that with my daughter, she would have told me, I want that now. <laughs> like, oh, now I gotta go find some plushie of this. Maybe uh, rocket ones. No, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like the 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 story they did with everybody to kind of get into that uh, conclusion that if you pay attention to any of the stuff that's been announced, you know that some of the characters are not coming back, obviously, or at least the actors that play those characters. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that they won't come back for like cameo or whatever for other things, but uh, like, I don't think we could have really asked for anything better than what we got. Um, no, I feel like most people are probably going to call this the best movie of phase five or whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. Or, uh, you know, the best movie since Endgame keeps re recurring too. So. <laughs> so yeah, even though this one actually could carry that weight a little bit more than yes. some of the other ones that they've been yeah. saying. As... The only one I'd argue is probably uh, No Way Home. Yeah, but that's just because I am a massive Spider-Man fan and uh, <laughs> bias. Yeah, I mean, but all the Spider-Man ones have been awesome. So and then yes. you throw in the the. I'm sure Into the Spider-Verse is going to be amazing as well. You know? it, yeah. So, we we like, could actually see more of Miguel O'Hara. He's like a Spider-Man no one cares about. I care about him, though. I do, too. <laughs> they should care more about him. So, uh, yeah, like, I don't like using that whole term of, oh, Marvel's back or whatever. It's no. It really is it's all been, about it's how It's been a while, the same Marvel thing for a while. People just yeah. don't remember that they are still duds in, like, Phase 1 and Phase 2, too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how they do these shows now because they definitely have to figure out how to make these connect to the plot uh, more. Um, and I don't know if you necessarily have to make a must-watch, but make them kind no. of important. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting that they had a report come out that like Disney is really considering like doing less with Disney Plus now and even possibly like removing crap off of it, which that's... I hate when you hear that term. <laughs> um, Streaming but, costs us too much money. 
Well, exactly. we like it. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, and we for some reason we decided that we wanted to buy most of Hulu, so then we got to deal with that too. It's like, yeah, <laughs> y'all got too much stuff going on. Is what it is. So, so this is like the classic thing of a company fe- fe- feels that the market's going this way, and then realizes that it was only going that way for a certain period of time. Yeah, it's like how quickly they pivoted to like the whole. Oh, and maybe we shouldn't like announce when it's going to go to like disney plus or paramount mm. before it's even done in the theaters yet because guess what people are gonna stop going to the theater <laughs> you, you like, underestimate the patience of some people <laughs> yeah well not just that it's like save money right yes. like why go spend you know look i went and saw it in which to me i feel like is a waste uh i saw um Super Mario, the Mario Brothers movie, I saw it in 40X, which that was amazing. <laughs> I'd never seen something in 40X before, and it was awesome seeing it in that. And then they didn't have tickets, so the Guardians at the time thought that we needed to go uh, for the 40X. There's only one theater in all of Miami mm-hmm. that does it. So there's one by me that has like SDX, which is literally just like the sound goes around. <laughs> and you don't really hear the oh. whole big deal that they make you pay the money for it. So I'm like, man, I could have just saved me a bunch of money and just saw this in a regular ass theater, you know. So like the people that pay for the 3D and all that stuff, you spend so much money taking people to those things. I yeah, am I can the go watch gate who buys yeah. the matinee showings. Oh for yeah, like for five sure. Bucks. <laughs> we have that too. It's uh, like Tuesdays for five bucks. Yeah. Go then you know. So that that's the that's the smart thing to do. But then also when you have the ability to beat it for free. Oh, or yes. or the VOD for like four bucks. Why not? You yeah. know, so um, we'll see how much it affects Mario if they ever get to make it to the the one point <laughs> four billions or whatever that they're making there. But um, yeah, man, Scott, uh, thank you so much for for being on the, the episode today. My pleasure. Uh, it was awesome having you. Uh, go promote yourself. I don't know <laughs> what reviews or anything you're doing upcoming here. Alrighty. But... So I think my most recent review was probably Mugen Souls. Um, not, I mean, it's a good game, but not recommended unless you look into it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, I do most of my reviews on the Outer Haven. I'm on Twitter at, at Scott. And you'll also see me a lot of the times on our YouTube channel on the Outer Haven as I help out with doing some of the gameplay as well as the reactions and explanations of JRPGs because I like JRPGs. So sue me. Yeah. Y'all do those uh, trailer reactions, you and Matt. <laughs> so, um, which, yeah, you should definitely go check out the Outer Haven YouTube channel. They do some tremendous stuff over there. Uh, so, um, again, I'm like really look, waiting for this, this time to come where I can start writing again more frequently. <laughs> Uh, the problem is you get that imposter syndrome too when you don't write yes, constantly. So it's it. like, oh, I'm done right. I'm done playing the game. Let me go and then I sit the. Let me go do something else. Exactly. I'm just like, so we will get to that when it happens. We'll be here, of course, next week for more video games to the max. Uh, we'll. I'm not sure. I've been. Hopefully, we can keep it on this Monday schedule, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Hopefully everybody had a good Mother's Day, and we'll see y'all here later. Remember to like, subscribe, all that. That was the network. Go check out the Outer Haven, and we'll see you later, everybody.